I wish I knew how to quit you. Then why don't you? This is Codependent Content, a podcast where my partner and I discuss the TV shows, movies, and video games in which we've formed an unhealthy relationship. My name is Matthias, and my co-host is Shannon Riley. Join us each week as we try to make sense of the media we continually give our hearts against our better judgment, and commiserate with us as we struggle and fail to let go of the characters, stories, and worlds that we are entangled with. Because just when we think we're done with content, it draws us back in. Okay, uh, now engage thrusters. <laughs> we had a false start. The engines weren't working. Warp there core malfunction. A, yeah. Uh, Petty Officer Shannon, are we ready to start the, the episode? Yes. <laughs> Is that what you say to your captain, Shannon? You are not the captain. <laughs> What's that? You. What is that? Are not the captain. Warp, engage. <laughs> Welcome. I sit, if I sits in the chair. <laughs> if I fits, I sit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome everyone back to codependent content where we are currently going through Star Trek Strange New Worlds season two. This episode, episode two, Ad Astra per Aspera. That's Latin for the stars to the stars with through fear. Through difficulty. Through, well, damn it. Now I forgot it. Oh my God. <laughs> to the stars. Through, to endure. Uh, you know what? I'm super tired. It's been a week. How do you, why do you, how, why do you. To the stars through difficulties. That's what I, that's what I said. Yeah, we landed Isn't there. That what I said? Uh, which just reminds me about one of my favorite uh, sci-fi movies that I really need to rewatch. Uh, Ad Astra. Hmm. I really like that. And you go rewatch that. If you haven't seen Ad Astra, I think it's a great movie. Um, and has some really good, good emotional core things to think about. Okay. But that's different. This is Star Trek. Very, very different vibe from Ad Astra. <laughs> I've never seen Ad Astra. I'll have um, it's, a list. it's long and plodding and okay. kind of a. Uh, Kind of a kind of a, a a chore to get through. Oh, um, but, but you I, loved but the I movie. I loved it. Okay. I loved it so much. It's so it's James Gray. He has this way of like making things where you have to stick with it. it mm-hmm. you've, you've, it's not an action packed sci fi adventure, uh, even though there is a good, uh, a nice, really well done uh, chase scene on the moon. Oh shit! A moon buggy. Shall we call it chase scene, uh, which fun. is pretty cool with some cool, uh, um, authentic, uh, realistic. What, what I'm looking for? Physics. Okay. I was going to say effects, but it's not exactly what I'm looking for. physics. The physics were kind of real, which is pretty cool. I really liked it. Um, yeah. So I'm tired, Shannon. It's been a week. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know it has been. It's okay. He napped on the couch for like an hour and a half before we shot this. So. Uh, but we're here, uh, and let's see, as we usually start off these podcasts, um, well, first off, I should say, uh, uh, people have not jumped on the Star Trek train with us. <laughs> I will argue I it's would. because we have not also been marketing 
Uh, Matias has been working three jobs just this week alone, and we've had no time to go through and try to promote ourselves on TikTok. And I would argue that, you know, the internet does great things, and usually when we connect online, it's a little easier to get people to stop through, you know? Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, but there's a, there's a few people that are around, and I'm I'm glad they're joining us. Um, and we don't have much feedback. So last week, our our episode was completely... So much lore and so much talk about Star Trek lore. Yep. Um, Get ready for more of that. I barely remember what the episode was about, but (laughs) we did look up. You did send me an article because one of our weirdest thoughts, oh, my weirdest, I guess, complaint about the episode was Mm -hmm. the fact that like Pike just kind of goes off (laughs) and Mm -hmm. leaves. And it turns out it's because Anson Mount was having a baby. Well, his wife is having a yeah. baby. We're not yet there yet where the <laughs> Anson Mal can have having, a baby. Yeah. <laughs> but he had a baby. Yeah. Uh, and so he was going on maternal leave. And this episode technically was originally like a filler because it was written knowing that he would have to go off and have this baby at some point. They just didn't know it was going to be the very first episode mm-hmm. is basically what I gathered from that article. So it makes a little bit more sense, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, that he would be gone and they, they wouldn't, they would need to fit a whole schedule around another crew. So it was a good chance to get to know the crew. And that was great. But to me, it just feels off when it's the first episode. I'm surprised they couldn't find another way to just, switch things around but that's just me yeah. <laughs> but there's your answer if you're curious why was captain pike gone well, he was missing um in that sense and you know what what i what i love about that is they decided instead of trying to change everything around or you know or, or whatever it what i gather from the cast and crew and what you would hope from a show like this is that you know, the the ability to go off and do that for Anson Mount to, to not have to like miss the birth of his child and to take paternal leave for however many weeks, you know, and feel comfortable doing that um, just shows how I guess how much of a family this is mm-hmm. and how much fun they have, you know, and I feel like I get the sense that this crew, as you would want, does have fun around uh, and it feels like a family yeah, uh, and things like that. So at the end of the day, it's like if your job if 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 your job is not so beholden to like, oh, no, you can't go off because we got to make this episode because it's so dependent on your character. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that like they're like, no, go do whatever you got to do and come back when you're ready. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I I love that about a show, especially in this environment where so many places are just like we're learning is so much more toxic. Mm-hmm. Work conditions suck. Things like that. Uh, you got to love some, you know, television that allows you to, you know, earn your paycheck, work with people you really love and, and tell a story that is resonating with people. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so at the end of the day, what did we miss? Nothing. Cause we got a good, a good episode, uh, with the other characters. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, not much else feedback besides that. And usually we do talk about what else we've been watching, but I guess, Shannon, it'd be more appropriate to talk about what we've not been watching. <laughs> Everything, because Matias has been working three jobs. <laughs> I have not. We have not. We did 
get to watch Star Trek as you you would imagine. But no, we have not watched The Bear <laughs> season two, Mm-mm. which dropped this week. No, we have not watched Black Mirror, which also dropped uh, last week. Um, and we still we are not caught up on The Idol, uh, which I, who cares about that, I guess. But still, um, you know, it's a Secret thing that invasion. worth mentioning. Uh, Secret Invasion. We haven't watched. Oh, I'm keeping we have a, a list. lot of things to to uh, keep up with. Um, and we haven't watched The Flash big movie that came out. There's there's a whole bunch, a whole bunch of things that. Uh, I feel like I'm missing out on culture wise. So it's been a week guys. Um, uh, if you're into reality TV, I'm working on a reality show. So that's something <laughs> that's what I want to. So, you know, Plug. And to this week I was making the content ideally. So it's okay. Um, so yeah, we haven't really been doing much. Uh, you did, I believe, start lower decks do you want to talk about that oh yeah oh i've i've been watching stuff Mm -hmm. and yeah i started lower decks i love it it's so fucking fun watch it that's all i have to say i don't even want to spoil anything honestly it's just like it's good if you like star trek you're gonna love what about what about polite society do you want to talk about oh i liked polite society that was a really good movie um i know you have more than that because she came raving about this and how it's her favorite movie of the year. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say it was my favorite because my favorite movie of the year right now is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So get your fucking facts right. Number one. Uh, right now it's my second favorite movie of the year. Oh no, I was one off. Yeah. Well, one matters sometimes. Um, I don't know, man. It was just such a good, I love action movies, like all of them always, um, especially female led action movies. And I complain often that, You know, I want complex and real fucking female characters in my media. And I'm so sick. That's why I didn't like Ghosted, because I'm sick of seeing like the same type of hashtag strong, capable woman. We love strong, capable woman, but I hope you guys know what I mean. Like the the stereotype of that, of what we present in media with like the goofy guy sidekick now. And this movie was about like a British Pakistani family And the two daughters, it was just their story. And the one daughter was like getting married off to a doctor. And the other daughter is in school trying to become a stunt woman. Uh, She's an aspiring stunt woman. And there's so much action in the movie. It kind of feels like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, like in the way that characters pop up and then fight scenes happen. Like it's a little uh, like bombastic like that. But at the heart of it, the relationship between the two sisters worked so well for me. And naturally, I don't remember either of the actresses names. But the girl who plays the title character is brand new to acting. She was in medicine. And during the pandemic, she was like, I think I want to get into stunts. And here she is in polite society. So I follow her. She has like 8,000 followers on Instagram. She's got like a couple pictures of like, she's fresh. She's brand new. And I just feel like she's so good. She's going to be doing stuff in no time. So I hope more people see the movie Streaming on Peacock right now. And you also want to be in stunts. So I you should uh, hit her up. Slide into those DMs. I'm going to slide into her um, DMs. The, uh, you'd be surprised. Fuck, I uh, might. But the, <laughs> uh, you also, um, I watched a little thing on Instagram uh, that involved a fight scene with a little hammer that Shannon put together. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the amount of stunts I got this week. So <laughs> she put that together all herself. I did. Yay. Uh, she's so proud. 
uh, go to her, hands, her Instagram and watch a little, little <laughs> it's, stunt it's fight. It's 22 seconds and it took me like two hours to put together. Yep, that's editing. <laughs> I brought my computer and I was like, Matias, can you look at this for me and tell me if it works? Um. So yeah, okay, cool. Great movie. I am hoping to check it out. Yeah, I would watch it again. Dead ass. watch it. Um, as soon as I'm able to find the time to catch up on absolutely anything, yeah. Shannon, uh, let me tell you, uh, yeah, I, mean, I live with you. <laughs> was there I anything know. else? Was there anything else that uh, you were watching while I was gone that is worth bringing up? Um, I'm rewatching Doctor Who, which is super fun. I'm on David Tennant and Martha Jones and I'm realizing Martha Jones got such a like short stick after coming after Rose, like her character, I know you don't know what I'm talking about. If I'm, if there's any Doctor Who fans here, rewatching David Tennant's run, I'm realizing that Martha did not get the the love and admiration she deserved, and it's because she came after Rose Tyler. So I'm I'm enjoying Martha a lot more on this second watch through because the first time I was just like, "What do you mean she's stuck on the other side of the wall and they're never going to see each other again?" Just crying after Doomsday. Um, so yeah, that's been fun. Is there any, I feel like I'm watching something. Maybe it is just Lower Decks. Y'all, Lower Decks is really good. Was I just trying to tell it to you? It's like a mix of Star Trek and Rick and Morty, but not as, not as weird. From what I understand it, it's it's very much, and this is going to maybe going to come up today because this is one of those Star Trek episodes I feel really hits home with the Lower Decks kind of crew is like it's about everyone else on the ship yeah as the main like 10 or 15 people just get the rest of the ship into the craziest shenanigans and how they have to kind of like navigate that as well as like just normal Mm -hmm. regular life Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically and the the one there's like a group there's like three or four of them right now that i would say are the main four of the lower deck crew yeah and the main guy is like very rules following, like always has his uniform press. He's ex- so excited when like one of the main crew members walks past or when he talks about being on the bridge and the, the primary girl is always like, yeah, none of that's important. Cause we never go up there. Those people never talk to us. Like this is where the cool stuff happens. Yeah, this yeah. is where this is. This is where that is. And he's like, no, but if we follow the rules, we'll become upper deck. And she's like, I don't give a fuck about upper deck. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a ton. It's a ton of fun. It sounds hilarious. Um, especially, when it makes the, it just shows the absurdity of the situations that the main upper deck crew always gets into. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like y'all need to, especially the enterprise, which we learn is just like what you are at the center of everything. And you're literally like, would this should be the decommissioned Hashtag main character. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Blasphemous. Show. Um, and you wanted to be captain. And I hear that, Two, uh, a couple of Lower Decks characters are going to show up in Strange New Worlds. Yep. That's why I started watching it, because we're going to have a crossover and I need to know all the lore. Okay, great. Sure. <laughs> Matisse um, is like, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Strange New Worlds. Uh, Star Trek has so much lore. Um, okay. So, well, we're talking about Star Trek. And uh, as usual, this is a little bit of a spoiler warning. If you have not seen the most recent episode, we're going to um, spoil the shit. The most recent episode. Uh, uh, it might start with light spoilers and then just get into deeper ones. Who knows? Uh, and you should also, I guess, expect spoilers for other Star Trek entities, considering it's a huge universe and 
there's so much out there and so many different shows and and you kind of can't talk about one without the other though uh i i don't know i don't know if that matters to anyone because it's I, just it is yeah. star wars I, it's star trek you're right and i would sorry, what did I say? you said star wars that's gonna be me this whole fucking episode uh, um i would also argue the nice thing about star trek lore is that it's often like mentioned in passing so it's not like if i tell you about klingon lore it's gonna ruin the whole plot of like next generation it's gonna be like one episode you're gonna blink and miss it so it's just gonna give you something to look for if you do decide oh wow i love strange new worlds i should dive into star trek it's just gonna give you more fun things to look at is how i like to look at it but spoilers yep spoilers left and right i'm gonna spoil the shit out of everything for everyone very excitedly great um so just be prepared for that i think what we should do because mm-hmm. last week was such kind of a lore dump. Uh, and I, I really want to get into um, certain lore things and lore questions that I have, but I want to hold myself back from doing that and just talk straight about the episode first yes. uh, before we get into those things. Um, so yeah, Shannon, what do you think of this uh, general thoughts mm-hmm. on uh Episode two, Ad Astra per Aspera. I think this is a great episode to start to dig into what we like to talk about when we discuss media, which is like feelings and what drives us to be and connect the way that we are and connect. Um, I would argue more so than the first episode, which is kind of just like getting the band back together. Um, also, Star Trek has a, a great line of strong courtroom episodes i would argue there's one probably in every season that people would look to and be like oh yeah that like spock's trial in the original series um so i like that this episode much like the entire series just reminds me so much of why i fell in love with star trek in the first place um kind of these grand overarching ideas of you know we we think that we're being the best and that we're doing our best, but ultimately you have to constantly keep calling into question like what your values are and how you implement those values into your day-to-day life. And the fun thing about Star Trek is that we're constantly calling the Federation into question. We're Mm -hmm. always looking at why does the Federation actually act the way that it does? And I would argue that, you know, it's the captains that cultivate the change, not the Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think this is a, this was a lovely, like if you watched any other Star Trek before this, it'll feel like something that you've already known and you can find something that speaks to you in this episode because of the, the context of the episode. Yeah. Um, uh, definitely agree on those notes. I wasn't, uh, I, as y'all know, this is my first uh, Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wasn't expecting a courtroom drama. Uh, and then, you know, when I, when you see that it's going to be a courtroom drama, I was like, Oh, courtroom drama episode. Here it goes. Uh, and not realizing that this is just kind of a thing that happens in Star Trek. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, we make a joke how, uh, especially network television, uh, we're rewatching lost and, a lot of times it just turns into like cop drama. It's just a formulaic uh, cop 
thing someone has uh, uh, jack has to solve a mystery he's basically mm-hmm. a cop you know like yeah. <laughs> it's the it's every little situation just ends up being that and you know hospital uh and cop dramas are are the formulaic way of creating mm-hmm. television i suppose mystery is the one way to always kind of enter into any genre uh television uh and in, in this case courtroom uh, it just another, it, for me, it was a, it was a joke, uh, but it was, it was interesting. Um, but I do, I, at first I was like, okay, not being a courtroom drama, this isn't a, a better call Saul, mm. you know, um, like, is it gonna hit home with me or, or, or am I going to like it? Like, and to a certain extent, I, I think that they, um, again, aren't as good as another <laughs> courtroom drama. Right. It's not, uh, it's not as, as biting as you would think, uh, maybe an Aaron Sorkin penned courtroom drama would be. Uh, but also does a really good job of, as you, as you said, putting the kind of the Federation more under the microscope, you know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of what we know about Star Trek, uh, on trial. Yeah. Um, and that part, I, I think I really loved you know, and we'll get into the nitty gritty uh, as we go kind of like scene by scene. But mostly I, I think that they never really truly to me represent the side that were that is the prosecution in the mm-hmm. back, in a way like and that's kind of what I don't like about Star Trek sometimes is that it wants to subvert your mindset you know and get you to look at other cultures and other races and and also hold up a mirror to our own society when they do this but then and and say like these things can change and should change and this is the opera uh opportunistic uh the idealistic idealistic uh um utopia way to move forward Mm -hmm. right but the but the other side just ends up looking like not as fleshed out, and you're like, well, what that doesn't make right. this doesn't seem like a real. This is just the same way you do. Like, okay, they're they're good and evil, mm-hmm. quote unquote, and in broad strokes, like like we know that's bad, and this is good, like right. you know. And I'd rather it be more nuanced than that, especially when they call out this is a nuanced argument. I was like, was right. it was <laughs> nuanced? It? How nuanced uh, was it? And and when we get into the details of that, it's it's like these things. If they're not as nuanced as as you make them out to be, like it starts to break down for me. Yeah, you know. And it's like we're holding up almost an entirety of a series with this argument. Mm-hmm. But it, if it doesn't hold up, like you're you're killing the timeline for me. Like how this happens, you know? You're, right. It's crumbling before me. But uh, that said, it, it was still a fun episode. Got me emotional at times. I was, um, uh, I loved seeing the crew kind of come together in in the plight of Una, the first officer, uh, trying to uh, be who she really is. Um, and I loved even the moments where the characters you were like, that were on the prosecution side where it's we're kind of coming around to it you know mm-hmm. so i was like okay this is this is what we love star trek for mm-hmm. you know it's the these happy feelings or whatever and so 
I, I did. I really quite enjoyed it. Uh, and then uh, the little bit of time we got with it outside the courtroom drama was was a lot of fun as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, um, overall, I think generally more positive. I think than uh, not that the first episode wasn't positive, but right. just was <laughs> this was a step into the direction of why we love the show mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Would you say? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, let's break down some maybe specific scenes that yeah. uh, get into uh, a few things just to, uh, and we'll try and go by quickly so that we can get into our, whatever you want to call it. Lore corner, <laughs> lore corner, lore, uh, Lorner. ceiling. Of, no. uh, <laughs> we'll workshop it. The lore attic of, of, of Oh, the lore um, attic. The lore attic. Like a little I, cozy nook. I get tired of using corner as like the thing. Yeah. And I'm like, we got to find a different part of the room. A <laughs> the, the lore loft. The lore, the lore loft. loft. <laughs> there it is. Oh my God. Okay, we're going to we jump up to the lore loft later. But right now we're in the main cabin of the episode. <laughs> Yes, we sure are. Oh my God. We both go lore loft. (laughs) Oh, it's a gif. Okay. Um, So, so, uh, I, you've watched the episode twice. So you have to forgive me if I forget and I do the recap. You didn't watch the episode twice, which you were supposed to do because you usually do. I didn't have time to watch the episode twice. Um, so, okay. You have to forgive me, I guess, if I forget anything, but it sounds like you're not even going to know. Um, I didn't say that. So we finally catch up with what Pike has been doing, and he is on a planet. It's not Illyria, right? Mm-mm. It's a it's a planet that is is now being overtaken by quote unquote Illyrians, uh, and so the oxygen sucks for normal humans. Mm-hmm. There's basically no oxygen, right? Uh, but they've adapted, mm-hmm. uh, and and. Not only have they adapted, but they are, uh, they are, um, how should I say this? Kind of a uh, high fashion, uh, uh, they're, they're living Vogue, they're living, uh, large, you know, in their adaptation, uh, uh, very interesting, uh, look to Illyrians. Shannon, this is. Even though Una, we were introduced to Una as Illyrian, and we can get again more into like what we know about Illyrians before. Is mm-hmm. this the first time just had that we've seen like the Illyrian kind of race in terms of like multiple of them at once, like a planet full of? I think this is the Star- first time we've seen a planet full of them. Yeah, but it's not first. We've the first only time ever we've seen, seen like Illyrians. individual Illyrians, and this is the first time we're actually going to like an Illyrian sure. colony or planet. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And we assume they're not all like this, but in this, but this one specifically is is like the no oxygen or whatever. It's right. Like, right. Know, right. Um. Uh. Because Illyrians adapt to whatever atmosphere, mm-hmm. basically, is what I'm gathering. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and yeah, Pike going through this, he has a mask on and he's just waiting and he's going to wait in, t- in the lobby, um, uh, until he, until they see him and his oxygen's running out. Yep. What did you think of this? Because I think it's a very stupid decision <laughs> of, of Pike's because I, sure, um, great. Love it that you're, you're willing to do whatever it takes. And, 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 and I, I love that. 
and, and this is what we love Pike for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he he is, you know, he will do what he needs to do for his crew. Uh, but if this is a the whole planet that's adapted to not having oxygen, mm-hmm. how do you know that they have oxygen ready for you? You know, like in that room, like how do you like how what is your plan if they're like, we don't need this, so we don't have it. You're not supposed to be here. We didn't prep for you. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That seems a little bit ill advised to me. <laughs> Just taking the fucking gamble, you know, got to take those big swings. Uh, any other any thoughts about the scene episode? Uh, I you just you said it like this yeah. is why we love Pike because he takes the big swings. He's sure. like, I'm going to call your fucking bluff. I know y'all aren't evil. You're not going to let me die in your fucking lobby. Mm-hmm. So let me in so we can talk. And I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is by basically not like pussying out and not taking the easy way out. Just being like, fine, I'll come back later when I have more air. He's like, nope, see me now. See me now. I'm going to die in your lobby. They're going to have to clean that up. How about that? Like, I love it. He still had to get back somehow. Do you think they gave him some extra oxygen? I don't know. I'm just like, didn't seem like there would have been any consequences if he had died there because no one would have cared. But that, <laughs> like, the, the Federation is not coming after him and it would have been his own stupid mistake, personally, is what, is what I'm saying. I He took a huge risk. Mm-hmm. Love it. I, he's very Love lucky. He, he's very lucky he got out of there. What? Love it. You can't. Um, uh, this this kind of back and forth, tit for tat kind of thing of like, you're going to help me. And like, she's like, I'm not going to help you kind of thing that was going on was interesting because you kind of know that she's going to eventually help. Because otherwise, like, why is right? Why is he here? Mm-hmm. Um, and she'll eventually relent. I can't remember exactly uh what gets her to do it, but just like found it interesting that um of the way that they went about it. Um well the fact that she had been keeping up with it mm-hmm. to begin with, I think implies interest and that she could be swayed given the the right information. Mm-hmm. So we already know that she had been keeping tabs on her friend. Uh I like to think partially because that friendship was still there, but also because as we know, she is, she fights for Illyrian rights. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the fact that she was already following the information and then Pike was like, here's everything you need to know. I feel like how, how can you be handed information like that as a lawyer and not respond to that call? Mm-hmm. So, and I think, I think Pike had it perfectly pegged. Uh, he came in knowing what the plan of attack was, which was like showing empathy, showing balls and showing loyalty and yeah i think she just ate that shit right up and was like yeah i'm about to i'm about to go to court sure um one thing i want to shout out is the production design on this scene and this episode in general everything just looks so good the amount of things that they had to go through to clearly build like the courtroom scene i don't know what buildings already existed or whatever but Mm -hmm. these are like new places we haven't seen before and just everything that the show does just looks so good um and just like i just you to the point where like you forget about it you forget you're watching a tv show 
you know, sci-fi thing, it just feels like there's these worlds and stuff. So mm-hmm. like it so seamlessly moves from like one place to another and you just like you're not thinking about like, oh, they had to go film at a location for this and find a building that looks sci- you know, sci-fi or futuristic. Like they do such a good job where I feel like I'm on another planet and things like that. Yeah. Um but I love how her chair is just like a regular office chair just with like no wheels. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like floating in the air. Um so uh, Future. interesting thing that like I didn't notice at first and and you're like oh yeah that's it, but it's clearly just an office chair mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think without without wheels and I'm like oh I'm curious about one the effects that it took to do it which probably isn't that hard but also uh, um, might be extremely hard but then uh, the um, it's such a small detail that no one will notice uh, if you're if you're not paying attention um, that probably you know took quite a bit to to pull off or something yeah so so i didn't know super interesting the uh, the little things like that yeah um that they actually put in there because no one would be paying they could have just done an office chair right nope this one floats right (laughs) because it's the future future the future um yeah i know we missed i think a scene between him and una no, no, no. Una and the prosecutor before he goes to visit, right? Because she has counsel, but it's counsel sent by the Federation that works by the, for the Federation. Anything you want to say about? I uh, Just mostly all the scenes we get outside of Una's actual trial is just setting up the trial. Mm-hmm. So it's getting the lawyer to the location. It's showing us why we need the lawyer in the first place, which is they offer her a terrible deal. Which is like, you don't have to do prison, but you have to plead guilty and you're going to have a dishonorable discharge. And the argument is, well, you get to still like live a life. You're free. You're not going to go to jail. And Una's like, that's fucking garbage. And my counsel sucks because he's yours. Like he's Federation. He's on your side. He's not on my team. Mm -hmm. So that's that scene. And we also have little moments with, um, we get Pike and the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. They have a scene that's actually in, in the middle of like, I believe like the, it comes in between the, the, the trial stuff, you know, cause there's multiple days I think of this trial where we're led to assume. Yeah. But, but ultimately I do think all of these scenes are just like, they're just giving you a little bit of information of like, it's, it's showing where the lines are drawn and it's showing how connected and how loyal like Pike is to number one and how loyal the crew are to each other well sure there's 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 a lot of yes there's a, always a whole lot of setup for any episode cool. you gotta you have to do scenes and set things up but um there's a lot of things that uh i find interesting like one like i'm curious to you i there is i know we don't have an episode on when this has if this doesn't happen so that it it's fine it makes sense but like would you take the plea deal? You know, like this is an unwinnable case for anyone else other than the crew of the Enterprise. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is basically like unwinnable. Yeah. Uh and I'm even surprised that they allowed an Illyrian to defend the case as mm-hmm. a, a as counsel. Um, just because like it's this seems like a a, a court martial situation, mm-hmm. and usually you do not get 
you, she's a civilian first off. And not only is she a civilian, she's not even allowed in Starfleet. So mm-hmm. she can't, I don't think she can be counsel in this situation. So I'm already surprised. So like, not only would you not even get your own counsel, you want to get uh, an Illyrian. So that, that kind of stuff confuses me, but it just seems like unwinnable, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the law is like clear and things like that. I was like, I feel like I would have, taken the plea deal you know like what makes starfleet so special besides the fact that like you're the main character you of course you want everyone wants to be in starfleet right you know but that's again military propaganda i guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a sense yeah in a way definitely is mm -hmm. and i i do even if you're not thinking of it from the starfleet is all mindset it's also the idea that eventually like you there comes a time for certain people where they stand up in unwinnable situations Uh, just because of the time of year that it is. I'm thinking of Roe v. Wade right now. Like sometimes all it takes is one person in an unwinnable situation to, to get that ball rolling and to start cultivating change. Um, So for Una, if this is something that we're led to believe she's been grappling with for years you know she achieved her goal of being in starfleet she's in love with her her career and her crew and her life but ultimately not all of her is like seen and accepted and she knows what she had to do to get to where she is and that there's a lot of people like her that are still suffering and aren't Mm -hmm. accepted you know maybe it's just that point of time for her where she's like that's it fuck Mm -hmm. you know it's it's time for me because once you've achieved your ultimate goal what's left but to like pull tangled and like chase a new dream. Mm-hmm. So if this is that moment for her, I think that's kind of cool. But also, yes, like she's a main character. Obviously, bitch is not going to take a plea deal. She's on the enterprise guys. She doesn't need a plea deal. Okay. She's going to roll nat twenties all through this bitch. Yeah. They're going to win. Uh, spoilers, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> spoilers um, for episode two. <laughs> so the, uh, we're, we're, we're rolling through some things. You, I remember you perked up, Quite a bit when, okay, we, we know they get counsel. Mm-hmm. They decide to go to trial. It's a whole done deal. Um, and then even the prosecutor, which is Pike's girlfriend. On again, off again, but I feel like mostly off again. I remember she was in, I believe she was in the first episode. She comes back in the last episode of season one uh, to take Una mm-hmm. into custody uh, for for being an Hilarion and lying to the Starfleet. And, uh, you know, that's the only time we, like, see her. And, like, mm-hmm. it's clear. Like, I think you were the one that reminded me, like, we had seen her in the first episode because I didn't remember who she was or whatever. So, um, so funny thing there, how she gets involved. So she's she's mad and she's trying to talk to, to Pike about this. And, um, uh, and you know, he's, he's, I guess, tensions with her. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of don't know what that relationship kind of is, you know, and we kind of go back and forth on, on mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and how she's just trying to do her job, which kind of makes sense. But as soon as it like escalates, you know, we go into, uh, what, I guess like a deposition almost of sorts. And then, um, you perked up when the, a admiral walked in. Um, that was going to be part of the prosecution. Oh, the the Vulcan admiral. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You perked up 
quite hard. So I well, I, I get excited when I see Vulcans, or I was like, oh my god, what if he's a Romulan? He's a Vulcan, which I guess I should have guessed, but um, because Vulcans are, as we all know, so logical, I was very interested to see what that point of view was going to be, and then we get like two seconds of it. So he really didn't have that much of a say or an influence like in the whole thing ultimately. But that's why I was excited was because I thought um, I thought the trial was going to pan out like a little bit in a different way Mm. because uh, we'll get into it. But ultimately, you know, if you have to look at what some people consider to be outdated rules, there's a lot of emotion that plays into that. Mm-hmm. And with Vulcans being so logic based, I wondered if that was going to come in and and he was just going to like start laying down facts and like not be influenced by Una's backstory because mm-hmm. that's emotion. It's not fact mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that's why I was so excited. But yeah, it didn't quite play out the way I was anticipating. Mm-hmm. Um, I we but we do get, I guess, kind of a scene of Vulcan logic mm-hmm. between him and Spock. Uh, as they are in the cafeteria. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, oh man, I forgot about that. That's, that's also that's also another scene where like Pike and uh, his I guess on again off again love interest is having a, a meal, and they kind of reconnect on like why like when did you meet Una? You know, kind of situation mm-hmm. and stuff, and then also kind of puts him on trial and explains to him why he can't take the stand. Take the stand, which I thought was. Was pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, pretty, pretty smart of her. Smart. I still don't understand Shannon, why she's part of the prosecution since she is either. so close to someone on the enterprise and therefore, I guess, technically has some sort of bias. But again, this is Starfleet and they do things different than you would like, as with military, you do, you are in your own organization. So I guess if that is her main job mm-hmm. of prosecuting whatever these situations are, then she has to be right. Right. I don't, I don't really know her job, but I guess, but it does feel like a conflict of interest almost, you know, but I yeah. did think that she did a great job to show like why he can't be on that sand and yeah. not make it about him. Mm-hmm. And that I feel like comes up multiple times in the episode, not just for him, but like other people of the crew, mm-hmm. like it, they, we have to keep being reminded that it's not about them, you know, mm-hmm. and there's, Members we often gravitate towards. I believe Laon has this whole subplot uh, that she goes on and wants to like make like try and help mm-hmm. and things like that. And at the end of the day, she she doesn't really help, you know, because she doesn't need to. She doesn't need to, and it's not about her. It's not about you her. know. So, um, yeah, I love that. Also, a good way to. I guess continue to allow Anson Mount to have a schedule where he can go back and visit Absolutely. his newborn baby. <laughs> I thought that a hundred percent. I was like, what a nice thing that they were like, we know this man is going to take paternity leave. So let's make at least two. I'm hoping not, you know, if he needed a time, he needed a time. Like I'm hoping, I'm hoping not much more than two. Actually, I think the next episode is Laon and Kirk. So I think we've got three episodes where like Pike's not really around and good on fucking Star Trek for giving him that time. But at least this one felt more cohesive. You yeah. know what I mean? Whereas the first one, he's like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I still love it though. I love that reminder of like, it's not about, you can't solve mm-hmm. everything. You can't be a part of everything. Like mm-hmm. you can't come in 
on a you know white horse stallion and save and the day, the day. The time. um i her thing is is this every captain or is this supposed to just be pike you know because when she says oh a long inspiring speech at a graduation that must have been hell for you you know in sarcastic it's terms every captain is that every captain they it's, just love it's to even do. a joke in lower decks like it's it's a it's a joke in something yeah lower decks which is what i just watched yeah uh, the the main girl obviously sees the captain. They get they're both in red shirts. Ironically, they both get stuck. They're in like a prison sort of thing. And he's like, I don't have to do. And all of a sudden, you're looking at her, and she's like, Okay, I'm planning this. We have to fight this thing. This is what we're gonna do. ABC. She turns around, and he's writing his speech that he's gonna say on yeah. the like wall of the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's it, like, Are you gonna give an inspiring speech? He's like, It's what I do. <laughs> it's so yeah. funny. Shit. And, and also reminds me why Chris Pine was like one of the best captains we've had because he is like so good. so good at like also just having that energy of like no guy He's a especially bard. in like the Dungeons and Dragons yes. like movie. Um, but yeah, I it's it's weird that they mention this about Pike. I'm like, no, these captains are just interchangeable at this point. Like they're just all the same. The best <laughs> so. qualities become captains. <laughs> um. Uh, so I do hope he gets some opportunities to really differentiate himself during the scene. We also get, I think the most hilarious scene we've had so far this season, which is when there's two Vulcans just enjoying, I guess, a, a dinner uh, uh, and who are our characters, our pilot and our um, doctor are, are kind of looking over and <laughs> pretending. What is she saying? She's like, She's mocking like how they're having their yeah, conversation. She's, she's dubbing it. She's like, like, "Why? Yes, I would be very interested in doing that." Spock, like, <laughs> just totally shitting on both of them. Yeah, yeah. And then he, and then Mbenga uh, is like, "Oh no, you can't tell. He's really angry right now." Yeah, you know, no one can tell. That's not true. But yeah, well, <laughs> like, he, he Mbenga can tell because I know he, he would, he would know. Yeah. But like, I do these funny jokes where like you're not. There's not really anything to pick up on, but like it's. It's funny because it's sci-fi and suspension and disbelief, you mm -hmm. know, kind of thing. And the when Ethan Peck again, best spot. I I no shade at all to Leonard Nimoy. This is the best Vulcan, best Spock performance I feel like we've ever had. <laughs> and like he he is so earnest as well as like you. He knows that it's. It's going to be played for comedy and his comedic timing of, I'm sorry you had to witness that outburst. And I just busted out laughing because uh, it is, it's hilarious. It's very cheesy, but also he does it in such a way that I can't help but just like be like all in, mm -hmm. in this, in this like cheesiness of this world or whatever. Mm -hmm. like, uh, like it's one of those jokes that I pro don't think would normally land with me if it wasn't, uh, Ethan delivering that. Wow. In the way that he did it. Wow. I, you don't think so? Like, I, it's, I, you know, it's, I, it's like, oh, okay, we get it. Because, you know, it's like, you, you get it. Like, Vulcans are, like, non-emotional. It's like, oh, you had to witness that. Also, I was like, come on, that's a that's just a cheese. You know what I'm saying? No, like, I do. Yeah. I just love that you said that I wouldn't have bought into it if it was anyone else but Ethan Peck, I think is a, a very strong opinion. And I like that you have that opinion. Okay. That's it? That's it. Okay. <laughs>
Well, she didn't like it, apparently. So there's that. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Um, funniest scene. Uh, great little um, brevity before the actual courtroom <laughs> uh, drama. And so let's get into the courtroom drama, which is, I guess, being televised only to the crew of the Enterprise. And only like some of them. What is going on here? You know, now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, maybe. Because it was supposed to be, a, a, it's not a, it's not a private case. The case files have been sealed, but it's not like a private case. As soon as they go into court, is it televised? Is it public? I don't think so. Well, how come they get to watch it? I don't know. It's so interesting. I agree. Um, uh, we, uh, we will talk about this later because I'm, uh, um, I hope this has further ramifications instead of just, oh, well, we need to watch what's happening and they need to see what's happening, you know, because mm-hmm. otherwise they can't be affected and therefore uh, uh, we can't have a show, you know, right. kind of situation. Right. Right. So that's that's kind of what that is. Like, we get it. But there's also like no clear like rules about like who else is watching this or, or yeah, has you're right. access to it, you know? Yeah. Um. So it's very, very interesting because there's definitely no reasons why certain members of those crew like need to even be present. Right. Yeah. Like respectfully. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. I just kind of accepted it for what it was, but you're right now. I'm like, oh, is it just because like our main crew has to know what's going on and we have to watch them be affected by what's going on? And this is the way that we do it. Yeah, probably. Uh, So the. uh, The trial happens uh, Shannon, I will get into the lore loft later, but I think what's very interesting to me is that from the very get go of the trial, it becomes clear that this is not just going to be a trial about Una, mm-hmm. that this is going to be a trial relitigating uh, modifications, Illyrians, uh, eugenics within the Federation. Mm hmm. Uh, and what's funny is like Una seems to get mad at this when she finds out that this is, what's our counselor's name? Do you remember? (laughs) Um, great. So uh, when her lawyer and her friend. Her lawyer is Nira. it, It, um, makes it clear like, no, this is the time for us to speak for all Illyrians, not just you mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter what happens to you like i'm not here for you i'm here for illyria this is a step mm-hmm. right i kind of felt like that was clear you know mm-hmm. uh from the get-go and but una's mad about that because she just like you're not actually here for me but what's interesting is that the prosecution is the one that sets up the stage for that like they're the first ones that start the conversation and they they when they bring out their argument, they start with hundreds of years ago, the eugenics war, and this is why, and we had genocide, and we can't have, this is why we have the rules and the laws written, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's like, you just framed this entire trial about this. Right. <laughs> Not about Una. You just framed it about this. Mm-hmm. It gives the it, the the in, the, the step ladder, as it will, for nira to get in there and be like you're right it is you know like it but also you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. uh we don't need to rehash litigation but like that's i find that very interesting 
um, uh, that that's what it becomes. And so that is what this trial ends up being about. Right. Um, well, that's why I was yeah. kind of curious to see if any of the Vulcans in the room would like have something to say. Oh yeah. There's two Vulcans. Because I would room. argue that technically both side, both arguments deal with emotion. Like our argument against augments is emotion driven. It's fear based argument. And our emotion or our argument for wanting to accept Una and Illyrians is also emotion based. So again, I was like with two Vulcans, I'm like, they're going to bring something up. That's not like just who do you, who do you feel worse for? Are you more afraid or do you have more empathies? Like which, which side's going to win, but that's not, uh, that's not how the Vulcans yeah, never really, never really goes that direction. Mm-mm. Um, which is fine, but that's, you so know. So we do set the stage for this to not just be about Una and her, where she belongs, but this about relitigating eugenics in general. And I, I think we're going to get more into that into the lore corner. So let's, loft. sorry, lore loft. And uh, we'll, because uh, I find that all very interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. But let's continue down the path. We do get... Uh, uh, Commander April gets on the stand. He has to deal with Admiral. Admiral April. Sorry. Who I don't know what the actual ranks are. Yeah, Admiral oh, we, April. Oh, we wanted to talk about you can talk about this too if you want. I I love seeing these dress uniforms. Yeah. And I asked you about uh these are kind of ceremonial uniforms. These are things that you uh in the military you have your dress uniforms. Uh very interesting. Um every branch has their their different ones. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, from what I understand and I asked you, I was like, is this the first time we've seen dress uniforms? Have we seen dress uniforms like this before? So it sounds like this is also like they take on new ways of doing these Mm -hmm. later on. Um, I found, I was a little bit underwhelmed only because typically dress uniforms do not match at all, like your normal uniform. Mm -hmm. And I feel like. That is a missed opportunity where like everyone still has their colors mm-hmm. of what department they're on. That's fine when they're wearing their normal work uniforms. Mm-hmm. But I feel like all of these should be the same color mm-hmm. of the branch, you know, or just be black or white or whatever right. it is, you know. Yeah. So um, that's just to me is something that would I know is typically how it is. Yeah, because in the Navy, what is it? We have both. We have black or white. There's as there's, your dress uniform. There's summer dress and there's winter dress. Aww. Black is is winter, winter. and okay. usually heavier, and and then summer is white. And then there is a different dress uniform for um, ceremonial things because mm-hmm. uh, the navy dress uniforms are the. Uh, you know, what you see in all like the musicals, mm-hmm. like the, the Navy guys mm-hmm. wearing those things, you know? So there's, there's one that's more like suit and jacket kind of situation. Sure. Kind of like more like what the Marines would have for dress uniforms. So that one you would wear for like weddings, things like that. You yeah. Know? Wait, pause. What's the difference between like a dress and a ceremony? Like dresses for like parties Dre- and events? Dresses for just more, again, you, you more special occasions like your. Uh, okay graduations and things like that and you can you can wear wear and some are different for officers you know Mm -hmm. so officers would have different dress uniforms um i can't remember all the different rules right now but like 
not, I, I believe you just have different for special, different occasions. Like yeah. whether it's a dinner, which would be ceremony, a dinner okay. or, or wedding or things, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like versus, work, dress, ceremony. Yeah. Things like that. You okay. know, um, funerals would also, yeah, include yeah, yeah. All right. Things, right. So, um, uh, so yeah, in this case, I, so I'm a little disappointed that this wasn't uh, a different color, but I yeah. was, I, I did like that. We got a chance to see them in a different type of uniform. Right? Yeah. At least. They're very different. pretty too. I yeah. know in the original series, this is one of like the first types of dress uniforms that you see, which is just their regular color with like those cool colored badges. I don't know if you noticed those, but the badges change size and shape based on like their ranking. Um, I'm assuming again, like I said last week, it probably has to do with the budget of the original series. And they were like, Oh fuck, we need dress robes. Like let's just add a collar and a, a cool new badge. Um, but again, like it's, it's pretty, it's updated. It, it does the job that you need it to do. And a little thing I noticed, um, there's a, there's a picture of Pike and the Admiral a little bit younger and they're wearing like the OG dress or ceremony. I don't know what to call them. Uniforms. They're both that like puke, like mustard yellow color from like the original, original series where, mm-hmm. where Kirk kind of had like a puke green shirt for a while instead of the standard gold. Mm-hmm. And there were this like velour, like cow neck sort of nonsense. It's just a little picture like on his desk. And I was like, wait, that's really cute. So uh, I feel like a costumer had a great time going back to the original series and being like, okay, here's a little Easter egg for people that are looking. And then how do we take this simple version of dress robe from the sixties and try to make it a little more, uh, fancy for like 2023. Mm-hmm. So I just, it was, it's pretty, I like it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, we definitely do graduate to, and that's why I'm confused if there's a difference between like when they wear their colors, uh, as a special uniform or if there's like a ceremonial uniform, because I'm remembering Kirk, Spock and McCoy all in this like red uniform like a red fancy uniform with a little white collar and stuff. So I feel like as we progress through the Trek timeline, we change. Well, it seems like one of those things where it's just different shows and then different interpretations that people like to take on it. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is just the interpretation that strange new worlds try to take. And Mm -hmm. that's where I feel like it's hard to keep the canon straight because we're dealing with like different interpretations as well as like not a unified kind of like, timeline lore kind of thing Mm -hmm. things change and whatever and as we have mentioned you know this is why certain aliens exist and certain ways of representing them exist because Mm -hmm. it was due to limitations of how things were made in the 60s versus like now and then they Mm -hmm. just reinterpret it you know so i thought that it could be a a history thing or whatever so in this case this seems like you know it's it's basically their work uniform just dressed with these gold accents yeah and, the uh, little. and usually like the lines on the shoulders are typical of like well there's stripes on your arms that usually say like how long you've been in and then these are like ranking and and length of time hmm. uh, in terms of like ser- terms of service you know mm-hmm. so you'll notice like the admiral vulcan his dress uniform has like more or like the mm-hmm. judges they have like more lines uh, uh, mm-hmm. or whatever. Again, I don't know what they stand for here in right. these contexts, but that's usually cool. those kinds of things. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we get, I mean, I don't know, uh, just passing through it real quickly. Um, 
the only people we get on the stand are like three character witnesses uh, for the defense and then one character witness that also ends up being for the defense, but it was for the prosecution as the Admiral um, April, Admiral April. Uh Right. And he's like, no, I would have like, I, I, his whole thing comes down to whether or not he would, if he had known, Mm -hmm. would he have promoted her, you know? Mm -hmm. And he ends up being like, no, because it's the law. And I'm like, yeah, that makes that. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah. You know, (laughs) but like he's, he makes it clear that it's not like, how good of a person she is. Right. You know, I forget who do we have? We have Spock, the doctor and who else takes the stand? Lana, Lana, Lon, Lon. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Admiral April. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and so it's, again, it's weird to me that we like the prosecution seems to have no case. Except for this is just the way it's written. Mm-hmm. This is just, this, no, this is the law. Mm-hmm. This is how it's been for hundreds of years or however long. Right. Yeah. We can't do this. That's it. That's our case. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately. And what's really gross is like that case works. And that's, I mean, we can like start to dive a little bit if you want to, but I feel like that's a, they haven't needed much of a much of a, a stronger case than that because everyone's like, yep, that is the law and it is the law for a reason. And mm-hmm. no matter what you come to us with, it's like, nope, we're scared. Mm-hmm. That's the law. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that it wasn't like a, a particularly well-rounded argument against her. I, again, I would have loved to have had a better argument from the prosecution because, again, if you're going to say that this is nuanced, then say like show how nuanced it is you know um we will get to that yeah uh uh so i will say like it seems pretty straightforward but i will say this is where i started getting emotional is like these three character witnesses doing their thing Mm -hmm. spock with his um no i did think she was hiding something a a a love of gilbert and sullivan musicals you know or Mm -hmm. whatever and like these the way these characters kind of wrap up their things and i i can't remember if it was uh just kind of all three in tandem or specific one and how they kind of wrapped up this feeling that she was getting of like this crew being on her side and mm-hmm. stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which again, really interesting. If this is a nuanced argument, people really are not at like as supportive of modification uh, as normal. You would think that, some of the crew would feel this way. You've been brought up this way, you know? Right. Um, but we don't, but they all are fine and they're all happy. So I guess like, you know, it's great. Mm-hmm. Great for us. Cause that's what we want. But <laughs> like, I don't right. know. Um, yeah. Moving, I guess to, I guess more towards the end, if we, there's nothing like in the middle of this thing that you want to say, I guess the, the next a big moment is who um, the Vulcan prosecutor mm-hmm. basically when Una gets on the stand mm-hmm. and their only defense ten, seems to be like, again, bringing Pike into it, which was their fear mm-hmm. <clears throat> of like, well, this seems like this is a, a problem with chain of command. This is a problem with, the entire entirety of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. 
Um, cause someone had to know, you know, how long, like how long did, uh, Captain Pike know, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and she can't answer. Um, and this is when you start to realize that the chair that they're in, I guess also acts as a truth detecting, like, uh, what is it? A lie detector test, you know? Is that uh, when you first realized that that, uh, was the function of the chair? I guess that's something that hadn't really crossed my mind because no one was lying at that point right. or we didn't know that anyone was attempting to lie. They, they just kept reminding people, yeah, you're under oath, you know? I was like, okay, yeah, they're under oath. And like, I, I didn't a- think about it until that moment, even though like it was like curious about their hand on this light. I know? have a thought <clears throat> that there's like Vulcan mind melds and shit. Mm. And the, I think the Vulcan on council has his hand on one too. And I think he's the truth. Like, I think, I, ah, how do I formulate the thought? He has one too, is what I'm saying. He has his hand on one also. And I'm wondering if there's some way that like, it's having him in the room and there's some sort of connectivity like through these sensors that he can sense almost like a lie detector test, like an increase in heart rate or like if something has changed and a person is lying. Is it not, is that more believable than Star Trek having just a chair that's able to act as a lie detector test or something? No, I wouldn't even brought it up. I just could have swore the Vulcan had his hand on one too. And that's, it's. I saw it early in the episode and then I was like, Oh, is that a some form of lie detector? I mean, that's definitely interesting. I, I like that idea, but then like every courtroom would need to have like a Vulcan, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, on the as a judge, which or isn't counsel terribly or unrealistic. Whatever. You should definitely have a Vulcan on your team because they are so, like I said, logic based. Like you would want Vulcans in your courtroom for sure. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if there's any truth to that. But that's my cool head cannon. But you know, sciencey. Why me shit, I guess, you know, it could be blood pressure. It could be, it could be, uh, it wasn't, that wasn't a reference to anything. That was just me saying a thing. No, tiny why me is a doctor who reference. Oh, great. I guess I'm doctor who now. That's not, uh, I'm captain and I'm in the chair and I'm doctor who. So there it is. I'm going to fight this man. (laughs) Uh, um, so yeah, they end up trying to bring Pike in. That's their last kind of way to, um, challenge this. And I mean, I guess that doesn't necessarily, that really doesn't work <laughs> because, you know, she, she, uh, um, Nira eventually like looks at the rules of asylum and mm-hmm. things like that, which I, that was a cool, a cool way to, uh, to do that. Yeah. I agree. You know? Um, and a great way to, uh, uh, absolve him even though he clearly wasn't doing that <laughs> he was just holding on to a secret he was just like fuck y'all it's my yeah, number yeah. one um ride or die baby yeah yeah uh so so i i i love that i love that again this idea of like if you're gonna uphold rules like look at all the rules yeah you know bitch. um that should be the case with everything like we got it you gotta really um, if you're gonna write them. You gotta read them. Specific, you know, and like it's about the interpretation of these things, right? Um, again, a court, but a courtroom drama. This is not uh, technically. What did you think of Una's story 
her going into the backstory, the broken leg and everything that she grew up Illyrian, any of those kinds of things or just, anything that hit you. Um, just imagining, <clears throat> I feel like this, I speak from such a place of privilege as like a, a middle-class white person, but the like fear and loneliness and isolation that she must have felt at such a young age sounds terrible and to hear it in her own words like of course of course una wants to be part of starfleet like the the safety the loyalty the comfort like everything that you probably missed and like desired when you were a child her parents offered to her the best that they could but like starfleet was the answer where everyone was accepted and you were you were safe there and you could like work to make things better so, yeah, hearing, I liked how the actress, I forget her name, which is normal for me, but, um, though, like, I almost felt like I could feel her, like, come through her eyes sometimes, and then you could feel, like, the distance as if she was, like, remembering something, and it was, like, bringing her back into that, like, feeling of smallness as a kid. I thought it was really interesting to watch that actress go through, and... I also thought the crew, even though they just got little insert shots, like that's probably the only reason why we had the crew watching is so you could see how affected the rest of her crew was listening to like all those heavy feelings she's been carrying around for years and years and years of her life. And these are people that like love you and want you to feel safe and like supported. Yeah, she's she's speaking for like the audience of like, why is Star Trek great? You know, she's saying. I saw this crew of Starfleet and they all looked different and all these different races and all these different types of people coming together. And I wanted to be a part of that, you Mm -hmm. know, and helping other people and things like that. Um, And so, yeah, I love that. I like, I I love that idea. And that is something that we kind of like gravitate towards Star Trek already in a way. And, and I guess the original series as well is like how it represented like different, races of like humans you know Mm -hmm. uh, all coming together for a single cause that was the whole point of starfleet again military propaganda uh but (laughs) it it is but this one works (laughs) uh this is uh this is about the show uh this is a theme and the thesis Mm -hmm. of the show as much as it is about um una's experience uh clearly you know so i do i do find it beautiful this is a um moment that caught me off guard i i in terms I wasn't expecting to get emotional about this courtroom drama. Cause I was like there, we know how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it, it was, uh, something that hearing her talk about it and seeing that story was, um, I think great, uh, uh, and just well received by me in terms of like, yeah, this is why I love this show, yeah. you know, uh, seeing all this kind of stuff. So I also, We'll say again, I like that Star Trek doesn't hold the Federation upon a pedestal constantly. Uh, The Enterprise always on a pedestal. But the argument is that, you know, even things created at a high integrity or out of good faith still need to be called into question, reexamined, reevaluated and recreated to fit like the time that you're in and that the actions of the individual and the community are so important because here 
like the bad quote unquote guy is the Federation for their persecution. And the good guy, quote unquote, are like the open-minded people who are just on the ground. And they're like, no, we live life today, now, day by day, the way that it is. And these rules that y'all created for the greater good 200 years ago no longer serve like their purpose anymore. And how each one of us has the power, either in a small way or in an enterprise way, to be like, we cultivate change on the ground. And if it starts with the enterprise crew, the main crew, the like eight of them, like mm-hmm. that's a that's a place to start. And Nira even says it. She's like, this is this is just the beginning. This is like a very small step, but it's a small step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's why I love Star Trek, and I do also feel that all the courtroom episodes in any Star Treks all end with that sort of energy. That's like. No, nothing's perfect. Don't be afraid to like fight back and call into question authority. Even if it was good at one point, it doesn't mean that's always good anymore. And you have to keep fighting and keep making the choice to be intentional and to be good. And I like that. Great. Um, so we end uh, this courtroom drama and uh, they wrap it up and, and, and they decide that she is not guilty on all on any charges. Um, the, ultimate argument being <clears throat> you know that she was granted asylum mm-hmm. and this is how we treat other races why not this exact same race you know mm-hmm. um uh i you know to me it doesn't doesn't hold too much water cuz it doesn't mean you can still be part of the the crew absolutely but uh you know that is what it is and, you know, she's not guilty. She's allowed to become first officer again. It's a great moment on the, um, not the bridge, but the warp room. The, not the warp room. What's the transfer room? Transponder. Oh, the transporter. Yeah. Is there a name for the room? Nope. You don't get, You don't know it? The transport room? Is that what it is? Yes. That doesn't sound like it. it's for transport? It doesn't sound like it. Okay. That sounds wrong. Uh, <laughs> it can be that simple. Uh, <laughs> and uh, where, you know, they're all happy to see her and she has her moment with the, with as you said, with Nira. And then um, she's like, what are you all doing here? You're supposed to be working, <laughs> you know? So I guess back to... It's like, oh, funny, happy, we're we're all, yes, let's all get back to work because we're back to normal kind mm-hmm. of situation. I, uh, we, I, we will talk more about this. I, I, I loved it. And then I also absolutely hate it because to me, this is the thing that I don't want to, for it to just kind of, I don't want it to go back to normal. I don't think it should be normal. We'll get to reasons why, but also just in general, if you're going to create as quote unquote, a nuanced argument and a put this person on trial for just existing and, 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 and relitigate a 200 year old rule and law that apparently a lot of people hold, uh, to a high esteem and, and like have the same opinions that this is as was mentioned, this is just the beginning and she is now opened herself up to be more persecuted than before. Mm-hmm. Cause now people know, and now this is, she got her way, which is she is now openly serving as an Illyrian on a Starfleet ship. And 
even though we don't know who has seen the court case, presumably this information is going to get out. And I don't know that all of the enterprise is even going to be accepting of this Mm -hmm. and they shouldn't be. And I don't know if the show is ever going to tackle that or go with that, Mm -hmm. but I am a little like little wary that they will. And so therefore I might be disappointed that it's like, Oh, we're just back to normal because it, it like, that's not, that's one, isn't a nuanced argument. And then two is like, you can't wrap this up. Like this is, she's supposed to be living with this and it's supposed to be a lifelong struggle. Mm-hmm. And especially in a place where majority of the population of the Federation holds these beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's going to be problematic for not only her, but the enterprise mm-hmm. that there's an openly serving Illyrian on their ship in such a high position. Yeah. And again, I am curious to know who knows because we know it's a closed case, which is fine, Mm -hmm. but people have to know, like it can't just be our eight main enterprise crew members and the couple of people that were on the council Mm -hmm. as the only people who know that she's an Illyrian because again, you're right. If her biggest thing is, I want to be open and honest about who I am. Mm-hmm. Then how does she actually live in those words? Right. Is it now like, I don't know. You, you probably don't make a fucking announcement to the enterprise. Like, Hey, the number one's an Illyrian, but is it like she gets an infection and she heals herself and just lets it be seen? Like how, how does she go about living her true just, identity? Right. Does she still hold it secret from everyone else? But, but the crew, which but knows, eight, right. Yeah. You know, like, and in essence, like if this is such a huge deal, like if this is his historic, mm-hmm. like where's all the news camera, you know, like eventually this information is going to get out. Like mm-hmm. in terms of like, like this should be, this probably would have been broadcast like worldwide, not worldwide, universe wide, whatever, mm-hmm. galaxy wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very interesting stuff to me. Cause like in one way, I love it. This is what we love Star Trek for. They wrap it up with the character gets like, everyone rallies around them. We, we get like an emotional payoff there. Mm -hmm. But then like, this is, this holds ramifications. Mm -hmm. If it didn't hold ramifications, then it wouldn't have been litigated in the first place. Am I wrong? Like that is then like, what's the problem? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like if this is not supposed to have ramifications, then why even do the episode or do this? And I hope the writers are going to tackle that. And I hope that, What's interesting, though, is like that ends up being what the show is about, you know, because this is this is changing an entire organization. Mm -hmm. This is changing an entire like, no, it's not allowing all Larians to serve and whatever. But like even when we first meet the counselor and she's like, I make it my business to know what's going on, you know, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And she knows what's happening with the Larians and stuff. And the way that she, uh, uh, even Una tells her story about where she came up and wh- who decided to hide themselves, who decided not to hide themselves, mm-hmm. what cities they decided to go to, things like that. You are telling me that she's the only Illyrian in all of Starfleet? Absolutely not. Right. In the Federation? Absolutely not. Not even Illyrian, but modded person in Starfleet? Absolutely not. This is this is a high profile case because now we should see a lot more people come out in that sense. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, maybe not for a while and maybe a, it'd be a different thing, but like that, like you cannot say that this is just like one case and it's so, even though it's like, it's not solving it for all Illyrians, it is gonna, it should have a domino effect because there's definitely more of them out there. Mm-hmm. So I'd be, I, I, and in that sense, like this to me, when you start changing things like that, this is what you basically set up your, your whole thing to be about because you can't escape it. You can't just mm-hmm. be like, well, that was just one episode, Yeah, you know? And I don't know how Star Trek normally does this. Like if they often kind of relitigate, like, will you join me in the lore loft? Universe cannons. I, we'll get, I know I we'll get there, you. but I'm curious, like, you know, curious and before we get there, like what, like how, like what you think about this wrap up and moving forward and into oncoming episodes and things like that in terms of like what, how did you feel about it at the end of the day? I was fine with it because I knew that's how it was going to end. That's Star Trek for you. Like you said, the good guy wins. We tied up the little bow and now we're going to get to go on with our adventures. And I have some opinions about how I think it's going to tie into other things that are going to happen, i.e. possibly the upcoming Gorn War. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think this is the last time we're going to hear about this, but I don't think we're going to hear about it in the way that you're going to want to hear about it. No, but, but you think that has something more to do with the Noonien Singh thing, too, as well? Yes. Yes, I do. The Noonien Singh con of it all. Yes. Which I still don't understand how it connects... I'm kind of confused on the whole relationship there. Uh, Get uh, ready for the lore loft, uh, guys. Uh, it's not necessarily lore, but like it's like, but you think that the the show is going to bring in more of that, like in essence, like yes. that kind of like idea of of modifications mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, again, I think we end up making the show about this thing. Yeah. You know. This is probably, I'm curious if this was supposed to originally be the pilot of the episode. I say pilot, the first episode of the, of season. Mm. Um, and therefore like that ends up being kind of like an overarching thing. We're going to yeah. keep coming back to modifications, mm-hmm. maybe Illyrians, things like that. Pause. Why do you think this should have been the first episode? Because of the uh, plot that it sets up? As opposed to the first episode, I uh, know. I think that this is probably setting up an arc for the yeah. end, for the season. Yeah, at the very least. Whereas the first one doesn't mm-hmm. and doesn't work well to set up the themes of the of the season, and we know that it doesn't because it was written to be when Pike is gone. You know, right, right, right. But um, I guess I guess I just. This could not be the first episode because the crew's all back together. You know what I mean? So you had to have the first episode to get the crew together to have them all watch the disposition. Not necessarily. Again, we know that Laon's storyline doesn't necessarily pan out here. You know, it kind of ends up being a B-plot where she goes off and she tries to... She believes her personal log is the reason why um, Una is on trial. Mm Mm-hmm. Ends up not being a thing. Right. It ends up being a, a quote unquote nothing burger or whatever, you know? Right. And so that could have been shot after the fact. That could have been added on after they knew that she was part of the crew after they re 
at remove things around after the fact. I can see where that she might not have been included originally and then only got included after she was already part of the crew. So, and she's the only one that was missing. When you say the whole crew is back together, it's just like them. Mm. Pike was always supposed to be part of this episode, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like the reason he wasn't gone and that that's so essentially if he didn't have the baby, this probably would have been the first episode. Maybe Laon would have dealt with did the, him having the baby. Did they have to rewrite things? Cause he, his wife had a kid. So they had 10 episodes planned and they were like, Oh, we're going to give him leave. And now we have to rewrite episodes. Uh, writing and rewriting happens a lot on, on shows. This, this is kind of a, a typical thing, but yeah, I yeah. would assume we know that the plot uh, we, uh, I don't know the inner working workings of what was written and what wasn't written, but I do. What we do know is that the first episode was r- written in case of him having to leave, right? And so, so there's no, really no reason that if that was written for him to not be there, it wouldn't have had to premiere first because they're all shot. They could have made any episode the first episode, uh, probably. But like again. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they're shooting it and, and, and finishing yeah. it and where it comes with like certain schedule things mm-hmm. and how these things, they might still be finishing episodes as we speak before they air right now. And therefore they couldn't have done that. You know, things shift a mm-hmm. lot in mm-hmm. schedules. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what exactly is happening. Yeah, no like doubt. no, I can tell you, but I can tell you that these things do happen and the shifting of schedules and the shifting of storylines and how they get, played a part in how certain things can be reshot yeah. and all the whole on storyline could have been a reshoot here, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. having her be in the first episode uh, and coming back could have also always been a part of a thing, but they shifted it and changed it based on mm-hmm. what episode was actually going to air first. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Right. You know? Yep. Um, um, or it could have been a second episode thing that they were going to do after Una came back on board and then they decided to, to, uh, leave it, you know, and there might be evidence of these things. I don't, I don't know. This is just, I mean, it's how movies and TV shows are made sure. and we don't ultimately have answers. Point being, I do think that this sets up the possible arc. arc of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things we're going to keep revisiting, you know? Yeah. And especially when Lon is on the stand, uh, uh, which is the one thing that, might have always been part of it, you know, like, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, any relation to Khan, Nunian Singh, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, that's uh, clearly something that they want to keep. E- either it's an Easter egg to just kind of keep reminding you, because, uh, <laughs> you know, the most well-known story of all of Star Trek is mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan. Um, or they might actually do something with it, you know? But I yeah. don't think, like, I think you're going to, if you're going to have a character that has a relation mm-hmm. to Khan in your main cast, then that's eventually going to have to keep, be tackled. Absolutely. You know, in some way or, or other. You yeah. know, it can't just be like an offhanded, like, oh, you, oh you're related mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, so it sounds like you generally still love the episode and, oh, yeah. had no, and, and love what it's setting Be-be-be-be-be. up and things like that. Yes, Great. absolutely. Um, so I guess we can uh, take the journey... Uh, and, and tippy-toe up, if you will, uh, to the loft. Uh, let me bring down the ladder slowly. <laughs> uh, give us uh, uh, a little bit of a transition here in anticipation because uh, I want Shannon to wait as long as possible 
It's like, you know, I'm going to get up there first uh, and I'm going to, and then I'm going to make sure the ladder is sturdy, you know, make sure that the floorboards are not, not creaky. Yeah. um, And then maybe invite her up along with you to the lore loft. Lore loft. We should get a, we need a sound for this. (sighs) Okay, Shannon. Here we are in the lore loft, I guess. This Hello. is what, we, what, you've, been, this is where what I live. you've been waiting for. This is, uh, she couldn't talk about anything in the, the episode. The past two hours, but she was like, just we're going to save all of this for the end. And I was like, fuck She's you. She's so mad at me because she couldn't talk about Star Trek yeah. unless it had something to do I with like lore. I like driving the episode. I have fun driving the episode. Great. So. Well, let's. I'll sit here in my little you don't loft. Wanna talk, you don't want to have emotions and talk about characters and well, like listen, what's going on. The information that I have about characters drives my opinions of them. So I can't just say, I feel this way. And you're going to be like, why? And I'm going to be like, can't tell you. We're not in the lore loft. So this is, here's just some, some backstory that I think everyone will benefit from knowing, but Matias, especially you, because audience, after directly after the episode, Matias and I sat on the couch and for two hours and 13 minutes discussed like Illyrian lore and, and like prejudice and just a bunch of other crazy shit. And it's going to still be a very good conversation, but now I have some background information to kind of uh, help us piece the puzzle together a little clearer. Let's talk about eugenics, Shannon, and where best to start then with the eugenics war. Mm -hmm. Tell me what, what, what is the eugenics war, Shannon? What do we know about the eugenics war? The eugenics war uh, happened in the 1990s. And oh, they've already happened. Yes, in our timeline, Shannon. So in the 1990s, um, so this is before 9/11. Humans were subject to breeding experiments. Jesus, uh, which resulted in powerful super beings who then rose to power and created dictatorships. So they took over the entire planet. Uh, the most notable dictator being Khan Union Singh, who ruled one fourth of the planet. Uh, So as augments were taking over other nations, once everything was conquered, they started fighting amongst themselves. That's how so many of them died off is because they were fighting for power amongst each other. And then the rebel human pockets were able to come in and help kind of seal the deal. But what happened with that dictatorship was that um, they used human soldiers that they and here's going to be my first point sort of augmented by using an injectable serum. Which is very interesting because we see Nurse Chapel and Dr. Mbenga inject themselves with something and then have superhuman abilities. Uh So there's step one of why I Uh think that more of this is going to come into play because, again, I think that's why important too, certain characters have to be present to hear the trial because it's going to affect specifically the doctor, the nurse, and La'an, I, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's just part one. So that's the eugenics war. Shit was fucked. Um, the eugenics war led directly into World War III. So once the few remaining super beings, uh, they, they stole a ship and they left the planet. So there's like a handful of them still alive. and Convenient. And that's, well, we have to meet them in the original series. That's how we first meet Khan. Yeah, I know. It's just such a weird like, yeah. thing. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, apparently that's what happened. And uh, from there, the eugenics war cropped out because some people were still like, 
you know, we fucked it up the first time, but a lot of good can come from what was happening. Like the, the things they built were incredible. Their intelligence was amazing. The fact that they could heal quicker, like all of these things could be used in a good way if we do it the right way next time. And other people were like, we almost all died. So we don't want that. So that started a civil war among the remaining humans that led to a nuclear d- disaster that like wasted most of Earth's surface, which I also didn't know. So even know. Didn't, technically didn't have anything to do with modded people. The eugenics war did. Right. But the war that broke out after that. But the genocide that they keep referring to in the, in the courtroom. I think the primary genocide is the eugenics war because the super beings like killed and treated the humans like slaves. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, so there, there weren't a lot of humans left to begin with. Yeah. But like that's slavery is not genocide. Genocide is nuclear war, like killing huge. Well, they're they're dictators. And I would argue like it's more like Hitler and the Holocaust because it's through like selective breeding and medical intervention. So they were killing off certain types of people for not being the perfect person. Mm. So it, you know, it is still kind of like a genocide. Um, But a very, very important thing that happens during World War Three, which I didn't know about until I read about it, is that um, Zephram Cochran creates warp drive. And that's what enables us to make first contact with the Vulcans. So the Vulcans are first. We're our first contact. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's, it's during that dark period and Zephyr and Cochran was not a human augment, but that innovation that comes out of just like pure desperation. So that's when warp drive is created and we become like adopted into the like intergalactic, if you will. Mm. So yeah, the Vulcans are our first point of contact and that's all the terrible stuff that happens during uh, the eugenics war. And then which leads into world war three, a uh, primary question I have for you and we can just dive into it now the Federation is made up of, I wrote it down, uh, United Earth, Vulcan, the Andorian Empire, and Telar. Not minimizing, but Earth and humans are the people that suffered through the eugenics war. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering why the Federation has such a strong rule against augmenting when really it's a fourth of the Federation that has the problem with augments. I mean, that's always been my main question about the entire entirety of the episode in, in us trying to figure out like who are Illyrians, what are Illyrians? And if like, if they are a different race with different cultures and different beliefs, like why we accept other cultures, even ones that aren't part of the Federation, we still accept them and allow them to, to continue on with those things. Um, but uh, we don't accept Others that we do that are part of the Federation because mm-hmm. Illyrians are technically allowed to have colonies and be kind of part of the Federation. They just are not allowed to join Starfleet. So it's a rule for Starfleet, not necessarily the Federation, which kind of confuses me because like, yeah. yes, the Federation, the Federation basically being now Earth. Earth is technically part of the Federation. Human, mm-hmm. Humanity is the Federation, right? I, I know the Federation is made up of different races, but like human, there's no like different hum- human worlds out there where there's only one human world. Uh, All um, humans are part of the Federation. Yes. Uh, in terms of our race. So like, so in terms of that, like it's not like the Federation rule, uh, the Federation and humans have a problem with 
modification for obvious reasons mm-hmm. um and and what that led to and that that kind of that, that stuff makes sense and that is the nuanced argument which i wish was more representative of like how like no this why this can't happen mm-hmm. but it it seems to be that like they're still accepting of allowing other races to coexist and and Illyrians to coexist uh, and their beliefs and things like that, it just has to be in certain capacities. Mm-hmm. It's Starfleet that has the problem, right? So you cannot have any sort of genetic modification and be a part of the Federation. It's interesting because, but she lived on a Federation colony that was was split. Yeah, so that that's- was split, and they knew they know it was split. Mm-hmm. The Federation allowed it to be. They right. Mm-hmm. That's what's confusing me. I agree. Know? I agree. Um, because the rule is that any Federation citizen is uh, with genetic modification is subject to prison. They are forbidden to join Starfleet, and they def they can't be like certain professions. They can't be doctors and like well, political even, leaders. Even in the. Um- her plea deal, it was going to be uh, confess and you will get a dishonorable discharge, um, dismissal, they called it, and you would not be exiled and you would not right. go to prison. Right. You would be allowed to live in the Federation. Mm-hmm. So it's that's not true. I, th- I think under the under the confines of she doesn't tell anyone because that's <sighs> yeah. the thing. They say we won't tell anyone. Here's the thing. I, uh, this is one of the stupid things about the Federation is like, I, we, I get the rule that mm-hmm. you're trying to state, but you're telling me that not a single one of your colonies, planets, because it's not, even though it's like five races you mentioned, right? Um, four or five races in the Federation, in the Federation um, including humans, which is the fifth. No, it's four. Vulcan, Sam. Vulcan, Andorian, Talar, United Earth. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's four races, but there's hundreds of planets mm-hmm. in the Federation, mm-hmm. right? Oh, you, you're telling me that not a single modified person like lives there. I, obviously, they keep it secret. Yes, whatever. But you, you're telling me there's not like underground societies. If like you know these things exist, there this, are. It, this is like here's the thing. This is this is as if L A. or back when. Uh, 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 Austin, where I came from, when they were like, we're going to ban camping on the side of the road. Oh. Uh, uh, and basically tackling the homeless population. Like, you can't have your tent, like, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't camp in front of establishments, whatever. They tried to to ban this because people didn't like the sight of homeless people. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so the rule is you are homeless, but you're not to be seen. Mm-hmm. You know, is is the idea. But like, you know, they exist. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they are there mm-hmm. just because they're not seen and you don't know they, they are there. doesn't mean that it don't that it's all happy go lucky. Like we have a huge p- homeless population mm-hmm. and it's and it's a problem. You know, like that to me is like the, the stupidity of this kind of idea is like, yeah, it's like I get what the rule is. But for some reason, the show 
kind of represents it as like, oh, this is the one person that is hiding themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, there are more out there. Like, you have to. Yeah. Like, but and if you this don't isn't... see them, you can't like <laughs> tackle them. Yeah, but yeah. What you say is interesting because in Deep Space Nine, a different series, one of the main characters. Well, it's known as DS9 to the diehards of the. I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> I want you to stop. <laughs> um, in Deep Space Nine, the doctor, Julian Brashear, finds out that he's genetically modified. And he didn't know it. His dad had him mm. like augmented as a child to make him smarter and stronger. And when that comes out, he has such a difficult time grappling with it because even in Deep Space Nine, Illyrians do not serve in Starfleet. And that's a hundred years like after what we're watching right now. But he's not. Uh, here's we have to talk about this. Yes, in Deep Space Nine, Illyrians do not serve in Starfleet. But you just said Illyrians, but he's not an Illyrian. Mm-hmm. He's just genetically modified. Mm-hmm. But so, if he's not Illyrian, like here, where's the what is the actual line? Is it Illyrians or is it genetically modified? You know well, what I'm he's saying? He's an augment. When because does he's one not become? Illyrian. When does one become the other? This is where I kind of love this episode because to me Illyrian even though I I, what you're going to explain is like this is technically a race that has been ostracized from the Federation Um, I believe it it can be and it should be probably more of a catch all term for genetically modified people Mm -hmm. you know and, and Cause I think that's where my, it makes more sense to me, like what Illyrian is. Um, and when I had a, like this aha moment, whenever they were talking about her, cause I was like, what Illyrian, like the light people that we saw in the, like first, I was like so confused. And then they were just, they kept talking about her as an Illyrian. They're not talking about her as a genetically modified person. They're just saying like Illyrian. I'm like, well, she's not from, it's like, it's, Illyria she's because she was not there's no Illyria to me there was like not an Illyria right I was like this is just I was like oh they're talking about her this is a term mm-hmm. that they use for genetically modified people in my head right and I know that might not be true but like even you just said like he would be not able to serve because Illyrians can't serve I was like but that's not it's is it, is it this is it just is it used interchangeably? Is right. Illyrian and genetically modified used and augment used interchangeably? Right, you know, right, right. which happens in our in our own world. Yeah, you know, um, where certain things become basically the same thing. Yeah, you know, totally. So and definitely a, like a valid point. Again, we had this discussion last night on the or yesterday afternoon on the couch. But uh, since Illyrians still can't be part of Starfleet because of their genetic modification. Julian wonders what this means to him because he's not Illyrian, but he is genetically modified. Yeah. So the result of that case is um, they would look the other way. They would let him stay in Starfleet, but only if his father served prison time because he's the one that is genetically modified and genetically modified his son. And that's how he's able to stay in Starfleet. And he allows that to happen? Man. Uh, Okay. Which is, I think, kind of dark and fucked up. But yeah, it's like he's like, well, I'm not like I know we have these issues with Illyrians because this is part of their culture. But he's like, you've known me as like 
this. He's like, I've known me as this. I didn't know I was genetically modified. I didn't ask for this. And it's sort of like what Una is saying during her trial too. She was genetically modified literally in the womb. She had no choice of, you know, she's not a dictator trying to rise up and take the fucking Starfleet. She literally just is someone trying to become part of something bigger than herself. What I, what I love about the genetically modified argument and like going into this world building. And the reason I'm so interested in it is because this is a big part of like the uh, story that I want to tell is mm-hmm. I was thinking about how to have different races that weren't your typical like elf dwarf, whatever kind of thing. And like a fantasy story I wanted to tell. Yeah. And it was bringing in this idea of like, you know, well, what happens if we do get into like gene splicing Mm-hmm. You know, and that sounds like what Una was was going through. That's why that super fascinates me. This idea that like genetic modification is gene splicing and changing DNA um, to allow certain things to to be there that were not normally there. And um, and I love uh, and and part of it is is really interesting because there is the idea like you're born like this, and then there's the idea that you can choose to be this right Mm -hmm. so you can't be born but you can as soon as you do any sort of modification you know what what uh, you end up being quote unquote uh, an augment or an illyrian you know and isn't that true if you like dye your hair you know (laughs) um well i guess it it would have to be like more permanent but like i guess just changing your eye color means you're Mm -hmm. You're a, a problem. You yeah. Know? You're a problem. So, um, can you tell me uh, of all your knowledge, just uh, maybe kind of wrap up. What is the nuanced argument, right? What is the, what is the thing that the prosecution should have been arguing for in this episode? What is the thing? Cause I think it, if it is nuanced, mm-hmm. right. If we are to believe that there's multiple people that believe this way, that this is not just easy black and white, like, no, we should love all people versus mm-hmm. like, no, this is, this is why it needs to be regulated and, and, and look, and like, you need to like keep it under wraps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, there's gotta be more to it because you can't just be like, well, if you just don't tell anyone, you're fine. It's like, no, the, is clearly like there's this idea of regulation and stuff like that. I'm sure I could make my own arguments. I'm just curious, like what you think the, I just like the, the witch hunt that happened in the Federation of like finding any remaining modified person and making sure that they were under control. Yeah. There's a, and I should have written it down. I was like, I'll remember the, Oh, I do remember the name. It's called the Institute. And it's like, essentially kind of an insane asylum, like what you would call an, an insane asylum. And it's where they put augments. If they like find them, they go to this place and it's, it's, it's built as a place for like uh differently abled and special need type energy. And there are non augments in this location, but like that's where they throw these people. So I think just because of the absolute fear and devastation that happened during the eugenics war and resulting world war three, the it's just, it's all fear. It's fear of what you can't control. And it's like, if, if you, if it's out of sight, out of mind, like with the homelessness, like our government ignores it, it's still a fucking problem. It's still there, but if we can't see it, we don't have to look at it and like be afraid of it. 
And I think with Illyrian specifically, modification is their identity. They don't go to planets like humans do and take over and colonize and terraform. They come to planets and they adapt. So it's literally like embedded into who they are and how they integrate themselves into society. And I think that terrifies specifically uh, the United Earth part of the Federation. Although that sews back into, again, why do the other three-fourths of the Federation just allow this to happen? Um, the do, Klingons, do they? The, yeah, because it, it's Federation well, rule. Klingons aren't. Yeah, correct. That's what I was going to say. Klingons are not part of the Federation. And the Dominion's not part of the Federation. So whatever augments or whatever do in those territories, it's like we just look the other way because we don't get along with them anyway. But if you want to be part of Federation space, you better not do that shit. And again, a Federation space is made up of three other large civilizations aside from human beings. Why do they all agree with like the prejudice that humans are bringing into this equation when I don't know of any information of augments being bad to Vulcans or. Sure. Okay. So I don't, you're not playing my game, Shannon. Um, so oh, I'm that, sorry. That didn't really represent a good argument for it. So oh, I, I, an argument I'm for trying to still understand like what is, cause I, I feel like I want to, before we get to the side of, of, Una and the Illyrians, like, I want to understand what is the actual side? Like, why is this even being litigated in the first place? And, um, and, and, and understand the actual nuance of it and not just hear that, like, oh, it's just like, uh, yeah, fear, not understanding, they look the other way. Those aren't arguments for it. That's just the way that that still is representing not a good argument for me. That's just representing, like, uh, 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 people who are just don't understand it and like, yeah. and just have a, and, and the, a fear of it is not a, an argument. Uh, that's, that's just representing them as the bad guys again, you know? And I'm like, but we, there's, there is, if there's an argument to be made, then, then there's a version of this, which is them as the good guys. So what I'm thinking of right now is, um, a show that is kind of tackling the same thing uh, called The Boys, which is basically the idea that superhuman beings should not exist, mm -hmm. right? And it's showcasing the problematic nature of having augmented humans mm -hmm. and that use serums as well to be able to, you know, even if it is superheroes were our idols and are the people that mm -hmm. saved us before having them just have, it's not, it's not this fear of control. It's just the fact that they, when you exemplify superhuman traits, you exemplify the flaws of humanity as well. And then that becomes a danger, a dangerous potent problem that uh, uh, allows others to really destroy other like uh, uh mess with the not the laws of nature you know mm -hmm. but also like really um hurts other people well i guess were you were you general. not getting that from the fact that superhumans were so smart and violent that they took over the whole planet and like killed people and treated them like slaves yeah but the, again because they I, were like violent but and what bad. i asked you was like to present the argument 
you know, of what the prosecution should have done. And, and, you know, I feel like that's to, for us to put Uno on the stand and be like, well, you're fine. Uno. we just don't, we don't understand you. We, we, we fear augmentation and we just don't want you to be seen. You know, that's not an argument, you know, as opposed to like, this is a reason why you can't be here and why, why this law has to be litigated is because of this idea that they are having, I, I do, I, I wish they had harped on this more, this idea of, and why the Vulcans maybe do believe in it as well, is this idea of evolution and messing with that, you know, natural human ability to mm-hmm. adapt and change and grow and stuff like that. I, it's not so much of a fear. It's the fact that it's like when you mess with it, you create people who believe they are better than, than other people, mm-hmm. you know, um, at, in, in the old time, you know, there yeah. has to be a way like of what, you know, people didn't just make this law. Right. Um, out of whatever. I. But wouldn't you still argue that like with the boys and this, like that's a, you can claim that it's logical, which is, again, why I wanted the Vulcan to come in and say this, because ultimately that is a fear-based fact. Yeah, but no, but in the boys, we're on the side of the boys. As opposed to here, whenever the way that you're presenting is like, we're not on their side. We're not on the Federation side. We're not on the, um, the Starfleet side of, of why this is a law in the first place. Whereas the other way around in the boys, like we, we are seeing the problems and the, and the devastation. It is almost as if the boys are precursor to what the Star Trek rule is, you know, and we have to see it from that side for it to actually be a nuanced argument. And I'm trying to be on that side of it. I'm like, I, yes, you can justify like why the rule exists. And you're saying like, this is like why why it's there is because of this all these things but that doesn't put me on their side right that doesn't put me on their wavelength of of the whole point of like why can't the world just change then because right clearly we have people you know what i'm saying because it that becomes a slippery slope because we don't want to go down a certain path of that we've gone down before mm-hmm. and like there that's what the nuance argument is you know so i i'm just that's what i'm curious about yeah. but it doesn't sound like star trek is dealing with that as much as I want to deal with that. Yeah. It's basically just like, yeah, you have to like, if you care, then you have to know what augments did in the first place, which is what the boys are doing. You know what I mean? Like they are that bad. It's not the same, but even what's her fuck starlight, like is one of the better, you would say augments in Mm -hmm. theory, showing you that you can't paint with that broad of a brush. But should we? Because, like, this is how damning it becomes. And maybe 200 years from Starlight's time, we have more good people like Starlight, like Una, that come through and you use that modification to become a smarter, well-equipped, healthier, better version. Yeah. But ultimately, like, you go through this period of devastation and, like, arrogance and power and control. And we see it. I didn't even think about the boys. What a beautiful parallel for you to draw. Well, it's it's also interesting that you bring up this the idea of like what was happening during world war ii and nazism you know and when we 
And the reason why I think this episode could be so great is like when we're relitigating Star Trek, mm-hmm. we're relitigating the eugenics war and things like that. When people, when we look at things happening out in the world, people love to bring up, this is just like Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To like prove a point or yeah. to make like the fear mongering of mm-hmm. the like, like this can't ha- like this is exactly the prosecution and 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 it's not always done in the best in the best yeah. way but that is that is how it is and and I feel like that we can say like is that what is going on here you know is mm-hmm. this you know republicans crying nazi you know or or is it again more nuanced and like where is actually like a actual like a, a possible like Nazi problem. Right. It's just like if we don't look at our past, we don't, if we don't look at the Holocaust, these things can happen again. Right. You know? Right. But, and then, yes, exactly. Ultimately, do we damn all of Germany for the mistakes of like a time period, essentially? And do we always then paint Germany as this thing that can never change, grow, be better? Like, that's how I feel about the augments. It's like, yeah, if there were dictatorships and, and, and genocides and, and, all that fear, then fuck. Yeah, of course you don't ever want to see something like that get out of control again. But as we see like growth happens, it's been 200 years. Things have changed. Lifestyles have changed. Like people's beliefs have changed. Do you just constantly, you have to make well-informed decisions on things that have happened without actually letting it cloud what's right in front of you. And I think the thing that clouds is fear. And I think that's why I keep saying it, that no fear is not a good argument, but with past events clouded by fear, you get some, you just get like, you don't even have a strong argument. Cause your thing is just like, do you remember this bad thing that happened? Do you want that to happen again? Then I'm sorry. Then we can't have this because if this leads to that, like we can't do this again. And it has to be so much more intricate than that. Otherwise, Starfleet wouldn't constantly be bending the rules for these people that come up in the ranks and then they're genetically modified. It's like, oh, well, fuck, you've been serving for 20 years. What are we going to do? Like Brashear got to keep his job. Una gets to keep her job. And Prodigy, which is canceled, uh, that's in Janeway's timeline. So apparently she's an admiral now and she meets specifically an Illyrian that wants to join Starfleet. And she's having the same battles trying to get this person to like join a federation that's still pushing back on something that happened four or 500 years ago. Sure. we're talking about strange new worlds. Um, I, I, we're talking about lore. So that's everything. Uh, but in, uh, do I, it sounds like you are like, uh, just on the side of like, this shouldn't law shouldn't exist. You know, that there's not a problem here, that there's, where do you fall on that? Well, there are plenty of episodes in other Star Trek series where we meet augments that are bad, that are like the villain that came in and are too, like, too something and are causing a lot of damage. So we're still seeing like, yeah, Una's great. Maybe a lot of Illyrians are great and there's still genetic modification that's resulting in these like toxic dictatorship, like aggressive, destructive beings. 
So for me, it also kind of ties into uh, the doctor who creates data and artificial life where like people don't want that because it can go bad so easily. But with if you don't try, then you don't get something like data. So it's like, where do you draw the line of there are sometimes it works, sometimes it's good for people. Technically, wouldn't you argue that like all the all the like immunotreatments that we have in the Star Trek universe is a form of genetic modification? Our bodies don't do that naturally. We made this thing to make our bodies better, to heal faster, to heal bones easier. Like, is that not also technically a form of modification? So where does Starfleet and the Federation get to draw that line? When again, we are meeting these different types of aliens that are modifying themselves and creating the same dangerous environment as what we know from our history. So no, I'm not necessarily completely on the side of like all augments are good and we need to just accept it blindly because we have a couple of good people. But again, if we do have a lot of good too, it's a, it has to be a much more serious discussion than just it's either a hard yes or a hard no. And then how do you even go about controlling that in a, in a, in galaxies and galaxies of an expanse? Sure. And you don't, we, I guess we don't exactly know what the law is in the, the laws don't seem to change. It sounds right. like, um, even in hundreds of years from now, uh, uh, from this series. So do you, so do you think that, laws need to be changed and what is what does that look like a very challenging question because how do you control galaxies and galaxies of people even if I made a perfect, like if I could sit here and be like, here's every rule we could follow to like maybe make this work. How do I ensure that four galaxies over they're following this rule when I can't go over there and see what's going on? Mm -hmm. So sometimes I wonder if <laughs> it, it can't be a case by case basis, but like. How, how do you what do you think? Like, how do you combat something that's that large and intricate? on literally a galactic scale mm -hmm. when it's so unpredictable when it can lead to genocide and almost mass extinction, or it can lead to something as beautiful as what apparently the Illyrian people are, which is a peaceful civilization that adapts to any environment that they're in. Yeah. Part of me, uh, believes and, and wants to play like devil's advocate of like understanding that this is, you can't al allowing genetic modification, like going against like the natural order of things, you know, the evolution of things and, and humanity, like it, it, it always can lead to like bigger steps as we start allowing things to happen. Like it goes down a slippery slope of, of a path that we don't want to go down towards. And you're creating beings that again could feel like that they are greater or better than and, and perfect. you know, this is like, do, if we can solve aging, do we do that? You know, do we allow right. people to stop aging and, 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 and then what happens, what prejudice become comes of that when, when you have people that choose to continue to age, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, uh, 
people will be prejudiced against those who still age, you know, and things mm-hmm. like that. Like it, it, there's so many, you open so many more boxes that I feel like should not be opened when you allow genetic modification, you know? And I think it's a, I think it is a dangerous thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I think especially when the attention is certain areas of like military might or whatever it may be, like that is dangerous, yeah. you know? Um, uh, but that, what's weird in like Star Trek is we do encounter other races that are different from humans, stronger than humans, smarter than humans in the way they look at things, you know what I'm saying? And, and so in, uh, copulating with different races, is that not genetic modification? Right. (laughs) You know? And so part of me is like, allow this because we can't predict the future and, if people should want to change, you know, uh, and, and it, it be as simple as like have a mechanical arm versus, you know, like an immune system. Does it, if we can't have someone with like, if we could give kids stronger immune systems, like wouldn't we, you know? Right. Um, and apparently that's Una's modification, by the way, I didn't know yesterday, but it's sure. strength and, uh, her immune system. Right. But like, even to the point where like when we started when childbirth uh, uh, led to multiple deaths of women, Mm -hmm. you know, and children were often didn't live longer than a certain amount of time. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, we certain medicines and things changed to allow us to have children without dying and certain things, you know, would do like in that same way is not presenting some of these things like, vaccines and stuff, you know, so very similar. It's like, well, you know what? We can't predict in what the side effects or the future is like, it it has to be down to just allowing all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's very, I I think it, I think it is nuanced. It wasn't represented as nuanced in the, in the episode, you know, because I, I think you can argue for both sides. I don't know that the show was very interested in it. I was curious if the show was trying to go a different route and in the, time that we're in the stuff that we're dealing with, if this was meant to be more of a stand in for a very specific type of, um, uh, argument in that being again, another trans kind of allegory, mm-hmm. you know? And I think specifically about when we litigate, if a trans person is allowed to compete in the sport of their choice, be it male or female, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that is not as nuanced, you know, and, and but it is, it is interest. It, but I know, I guess it, it is nuanced, you know, should a person be allowed in the same way? Like she is, while she was born with this, she is genetically modified. Like, should she be allowed? Because what I think is one of the things that could happen and as I mentioned in the wrap of the episode of the, of what I hope will happen is that she will be more judged because of this. People will believe no matter what the augmentation is, we mm-hmm. don't know if she's immuno or whatever, or what her, like we, we know, right. but they don't, but know, not everyone knows. Right. Correct. And so people will believe, well, she's, everyone talked so highly of her mm-hmm. at that trial, 
and how smart she was, how fast she was to climb through the ranks. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you're augmented. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you probably are smarter and stronger than everyone. Like mm-hmm. you, you have an unfair advantage. You have a, a um, uh, things that I, I don't have. You had opportunity that I couldn't have. Like, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Why should she be allowed to? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I think about in the same way that this is litigated in like sports, you yeah. know, of, of w- even if you are allowed to compete, mm-hmm. you, you are opening yourself up to, unfortunately, a whole lot more yeah. litigation, personal litigation or civil, whatever it is, you know, that's maybe not court, mm-hmm. but just in general, like society yeah. litigation, you Absolutely. know, um, and how this works on, on that level. And I think it is a very, I think it works. I wish it was more nuanced because of that, because I think it does work on that level mm-hmm. and can be a, a really good way to showcase like how, why we should, it should be accepted, but also like it doesn't, the, the battle, this is literally just the start of it for her. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to be able to like, overcome it as easily, you know, as yeah. happened in this courtroom scene, you know, right? where no one, not a single person in that room when April was like, she was one of the brightest of my things. And it was like, well, she's augmented. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? No one even tra- like raised the quote unquote bigoted argument even, but cause it's like, is it bigoted to, to believe that like, cause even us as quote unquote progressives are like, we look at uh, opportunity and bias in in terms of economic levels, mm-hmm. you know, and be like, and especially when with white people, mm-hmm. uh, like you had privilege, you had opportunity that other people just simply do not have. Mm-hmm. And no, they still represent Illyrian as like kind of poor and not as like they didn't have the opportunities and things like her story is, is different. Yeah. But there is this idea of like, it's not necessarily bigoted to under, to like look at this and, and recognize the privilege that a lot of people have and the opportunities that a lot of people have mm-hmm. that are not given to you. And we are relitigating Nepo babies as well, you know? So to me, it's like, this can work on so many levels. And, and the fact that no one brought up that argument is very interesting to me. Yeah. I've been talking a lot. Do you have anything? Oh, uh, you've been raising great points. Don't say you've been talking a lot. Um, I don't know. I just, I, all of that's very well said. I agree with you. It's a good allegory for a lot of things that are like happening. Do you think it works on any of those levels or is it just Fuck trying yeah. to be like, what is it trying to be or not be or whatever, you know? I mean, it's what it's trying to be is what it shows us, which is you have to, constantly be reevaluating rules that you set for yourself because Mm -hmm. times change Mm -hmm. period. And when you're presented with new information, you have to take that information into account. Mm -hmm. So I think at its simplest, most uncomplicated form, that's what it is. It's like, just because something was true 400 years ago, doesn't mean it's true today. And how do we call authority figures into question when we're presented with new information and new circumstances? And that can be applied to, a plethora of Mm -hmm. real life situations. So that's why this episode works for me. Um, It works more for me. 
I'm sorry, it, it works less for me now that I know more about the eugenics war because I realized that's why it's like why I wanted a Vulcan to be a bigger part of it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that's why I wanted it. It's like mm-hmm. I wanted that reasoning of there is a there is a valid point to why we don't like this and we don't accept it. And those points were not actively made. Mm-hmm. Period. Literally, they don't even talk. They don't even tell you about the horror of the eugenics war. I think what a what a palpable thing to listen to Una describe her backstory, but then maybe to listen to the horror of the eugenics war and the resulting World War Three. So you can really see both sides of like, wow, Una's our number one. Of course, we're on her side, yeah, but like, have, what happened? And we have. We know that Vulcans live longer. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like humans. It's been hundreds of years, but like there's no survivor of the eugenics war out there. Like there's no museum to the eugenics war where like there's survivor stories still happening. Like like in the Holocaust, you know? Um, And no, the Vulcans are not the survivors, but they were around. We, we find out like at least after the fact when when we made first contact. I don't know. It, I didn't also didn't realize how young the Federation was. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like it's younger now than even America. Uh, uh, Cause 1776 is, is when we, you know, and yeah. like now we're, so like, it almost feels like uh, and they're not younger. They're just a little bit older. We're younger. Right. But yeah, we're younger, which is interesting, you know? So mm-hmm. like, I, I, I find all that interesting. And, and again, I, I wish they had just kind of represented it a little bit better, but I do and especially because I, if we're going to change minds, because if this is a trans allegory and mm-hmm. we're saying like, no, people should be allowed to serve, to, to be who they are, mm-hmm. whether they're born that way or whether they um, choose to be that way, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they should be allowed to, to be, you know, go to the bathroom where they choose to go to the bathroom, you know, they mm-hmm. shouldn't be segregated or whatever, things like that, uh, uh, if we're trying to say those things, we have to represent the argument as it stands today, Mm -hmm. you know, which is like why these things aren't happening. Mm Because otherwise we wouldn't be having those arguments. We wouldn't be like, we wouldn't be litigating it now if it was just as easy as being like, well, just then just change the rules, just change the laws. Like, well, it doesn't happen. Right. You know, you need, you need to know the severity of what could happen. Yeah. Or what you think could happen if the laws are changed and why you're fighting so adamantly against it. Yeah. I think women and men's sports maybe should be just co-opted. You know, that that, that if it's going to be about whether or not you are allowed to compete as a man or a woman, well, then just make them co-ed, you know? Uh, stop separating men and women's sports. Um uh, granted, some of the women's sports are way better than the men's sports because uh, <laughs> often is often is the case. Uh, soccer is, I, I believe, in some cases, the racing is. You know, when we look yeah. at the separation yeah. there, like they go harder because they have a lot to to prove, and mm-hmm. and then they don't fall into the traps uh, that men seem to fall under a lot, which is uh, playing some sort of drama game about things as opposed to just. Doing the thing. Just do it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So that's maybe another type of litigation. But in, in essence, um, you know, I think it's, what's interesting is like, I do think that this does open up a whole more can of worms 
specifically in this situation with an Illyrian and stuff like that, because again, you're looking at what you're changing it for one person, but then what, what is the actual law here? Mm -hmm. You know? So now you're saying if anyone comes out to their captain and the captain chooses to give him asylum, are they all allowed to like come? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the actual thing that's changing here? You know, Mm -hmm. you got to actually like look at it. And I, I love it because I love that it gets us to think about these things and whether or not someone should be allowed to, and we're relitigating eugenics and uh, uh, modifications in general, again, because I'm writing my own story. I want to know like what, what the nuances there and stuff, but then it doesn't pr- present these nuances. And so I get a little bit frustrated, mm-hmm. you know, I was so excited going into it. And then we don't, we don't really do much with it. And mm-hmm. then we'll just wrap up the episode and w- well, maybe we'll visit the, that's another story for another time is mm-hmm. what it always seems to be. It definitely, I'm thinking of Bashir too. Like he, he personally grapples with it for more than just one episode, but like his episode is one episode. And then it gets wrapped up and we move on like sequentially. So that's why I'm kind of hoping with the possible nod to. I'm going to call it the super super soldier serum that the nurse and the doctor use. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that's something that was utilized during the eugenics war. And then also the fact that La'an is, I believe, the great granddaughter or the granddaughter of Khan. Like it's, it, it hasn't been long. You know what I mean? She's like a close, she's not a distant relative of him. She's a direct descendant. Which again, just, they always, they always are like, oh, any relation to Khan? Cause everyone knows Khan. Mm-hmm. Now I understand why everyone knows Khan, mm-hmm. but, but then like, it's just, that's it. It's an offhanded thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, if you know that this is someone related to Khan, uh, you are like, Hey, where the fuck is Khan? What is well, going on with, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a whole lot of things to fucking like, probably, you know, I'm, I, I feel like a lot of people would be angry to find that out. I'm just surprised that if we're this if you, prejudiced against augments, why wouldn't you be prejudiced against the person that literally is a direct descendant of the biggest dictator no, on your planet? That's what I'm saying is like, you're, th- this is Adolf Hitler's great granddaughter. Right. Like, you're like, oh, any relation to Adolf Hitler? And she's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. I was just curious. Just put that in our pocket, I guess. You know, like, uh, you don't do anything about it. Like, not that she should be criminalized for the crimes of her great grandfather, Mm -hmm. but you're telling me that this is, this is not Hitler died and, you know, and she grew up like, like as a, never knowing this or whatever. And she just has to deal with it. He went on to keep living. We know this Mm -hmm. and also took a whole bunch of people with him and exiled himself and is somewhere out there. And so like, you don't know any. So the fact that she even uses the name is just really weird. You know, the fact that I'm so confused on why this, like the Noonien Singh thing kind of exists and what exactly that means. Uh, and what the relationship is with the con, because to me, this opens up that I have a lot more questions and I come out with answers yeah. every time they fucking bring it up. And I think that's good because you also still have questions about like why people are so fucking weird about genetic modification. So if if she also ties into what we're hoping a bigger arc is for number one, and we know number one and La'an are very close, like I think we're setting up a very interesting 
darker turn into, yeah, we get some like fun episodes out of the way, some feel good episodes in the beginning of the series. And then we're going to really start to dive into like, now what are all the ramifications of the things that we set up earlier? I I would hope. I think that the Noonien Singh thing is very different from the genetic modification thing. I think that's just the questions that it raises for me is just very separate from like the th- questions that I get in this episode. Right. It has not like, it could have nothing to do with it. It's just more of like, what do you mean? Like she's related to Khan, but she does like, what is it? Like if this is such a huge point in history mm-hmm. that and not that I'm learning, cause I yeah. didn't know that Khan, like what Khan was right. in the sense that's just, it's separate from genetic modification. This guy did a, 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 a huge amount yeah. of, of things. Uh, As a genetically uh, and, modified and, and, person. And is probably taught everywhere in fucking school. The genetic modification is, is, a, is a, a side, uh, is irrelevant to the fact, is, again, if it's Hitler, I don't care that he's, he's brunette, right? Uh, or whatever. Like, I care okay. about the fact that, like, what did he do? Like, he, he created a whole, like, uh, army of people and, and, dis- and, and, cause genocide or whatever how he went about it with the yes it was about genocide, but it, it, the same way hitler it was like it's about the aryan race like yes those are the reasonings but it was just the fact that he did it if this person is such a blight on history uh, that is probably taught in textbooks you know when she's like we learned about augments before they're learning about it in the context of like nazi mm-hmm. you know they're learning about it uh uh in the same way all children and all of the Federation are learning about this thing. And it's just Noonien Singh, this person that's like related to this other person that just kind of got away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that those questions it has for me, it's not about the genetic modification of all. It's just like, this is history. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't just drop that i'm confused i'm just confused on like why it's like so nonchalant and i understand she's not she's loosely related in a sense but also directly related but the direct relation is weird to me because i like how directly because it doesn't seem like she grew up around there like her parents were there was like a gorn attack there's a whole i don't really understand her backstory and how that relationship actually pans out even if it is a lineage, a direct lineage, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't, there's just so many questions. I don't know, <laughs> but not about genetic modification. Mm-hmm. I don't care if she's genetically modified or not. Mm-hmm. Like to me, Khan's deal is not the genetic modification at all. It's just the genocide of it all, I guess. The, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Are you still having trouble separating I, the two? I am having a hard time separating the two because in my brain they are not. Like the reason Khan did what he did is because he was genetically modified. If he wasn't genetically modified, he wouldn't have done what he did. The genet- genetic modification made him that way and gave him the power to do what he did. So it's it's not like, oh, this would have just been a big baddie regardless. Like he just would have been a normal human being. I, I'm still, I'm still of the impression that I would still have these questions if he wasn't genetically modified. That's where I'm, that's where the separation comes. Okay. (laughs) Wow. I'll take you that. If he's not, yeah. If he did all these things and he wasn't genetically modified, you would still have the questions questions about her lineage and all that kind of stuff still exists. It doesn't matter. Right. 
you know, it's because it, it's what he did. It's not the fact that he was genetically right. modified. Like I understand the history of it, but it's right, not. Right. It's not about that. And for me, the added layer is like not only is your great granddad a fucking dictator, he's also a genetically modified dictator, which we're in here arguing about still to this day. So you're right. How did no one lose their shit about either of those two topics? Is like beyond me. Because yeah, the fact that like she's because. Again, whenever you told me, whenever it came up earlier, I, you know, I'm like, oh, Khan, yeah, I know that name, right? Right. Uh, 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 and when you tell me, like, when they find out in the earlier episodes, you know, she's related to, like, Nuni and Singh, I'm like, oh, okay, so it's like a tribal name, you know? Like, to me, it's like, in my mind, it's a, it's a, Nuni and Singh is like more of a title or something like that. It has, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know. Are you okay? Yeah. What is going I on? I just, I just thought of something that no, I forgot. But like the point is, is like, now I'm, you just already informed me and kind of gave me the lore that this is not, this is a direct descendant. Like this mm-hmm. is like, and there's not many Nunian things out there. Like that this is a very big deal yeah. in the history of, the Federation and stuff. And to me, that's where I'm like, okay, so not only is she allowed to serve in the Starfleet and on the Enterprise, one of the most well-known ships in the, never mind, uh, the, and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that like they ask her point blank in a courtroom and she says yes, and there's not suddenly guards surrounding her just boggles my mind because I'm like, what is the actual deal what is our viewpoint of con right in this world right you know i do not know um if if your brain has space for one more piece of information something that i just remembered matthias i was talking to you yesterday during our first conversation about the doctor who creates data artificial intelligence mm. human artificial intelligence H- his name is Noonien Soong. S-O-O-N-G. Khan is Noonien Singh. Mm-hmm. We also know through lore that the creator of the Khan project is the same descendant of the creator of Data. So I'm also wondering, like you just said, is it a tribal name like the fact that Noonien is in both of those names in the Khan project and also in the data project is something that was interesting to me while thinking of like reading about it last night. I don't have anywhere to go with that. I don't have like there, we don't meet data or that project for a while. He comes back. Uh, one of the lineages of the doctors comes back and wants to use information from the Khan project to support artificial intelligence and like that's a whole battle that nobody wants to open those files so it is something that like constantly keeps coming back when people want to innovate on what humans can do it's always through the lens of the con project through the lens of this one creator which is the nunian soon guy so i'm interested to see if if there's any connection there or 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 why that would be built in that capacity, but I have nothing further to elaborate upon because well, we don't know. Since you have nothing, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that nothing mm-hmm. and put it in this box mm-hmm. and we're going to leave it in the lore loft Okay, in a corner. Can you the label it? The lore corner of the lore loft. 
And then you can open it back up next okay. time we come up here. You have better How writing than that? I do. Can you label the front and the top? I'm going to go. I'm going to. Is there anything else we want to talk about in the lore loft before I, I climb back down the ladder? I think I, I think I lured you out for this one. I think I'm good. No, I'm fine. If you have more, I'm just like, if again, if we have nothing else to add yeah, to I, that, I think and we we've can already depart. gone so far. To, and now we're relitigating con, which is fine because they, bring up the eugenics war in the first place. And right. I didn't realize how huge of a deal he played in it. And what is he right now? Like, uh, is he cryogenically frozen or does he just live like a long time and now and that this, he's superhuman? He just, he lives a very long time, but also they are in uh cryogenic sleep when we discover them in the original series, the first time Kirk meets Khan. Yeah. So like his plan to go create a new colony failed. He's on a sleeper ship. So he's like, we'll land. And when we land, we'll start our new colony and we intersect. So they, so it failed. So he never landed. So they never landed on a, on a planet to create a new colony where he took all the superhuman beings. And, and they ran into the enterprise with Kirk and then Kirk puts them on a planet that they can never leave. So, so again, when he left the eugenics war, Mm -hmm. when he left earth, he, ever since then, he's just been in space. Yeah. So where does his granddaughter come into? Well, my thing has to be like, this is the question. In mythology, he sired a lot of children. Oh my God. Um, And I'm assuming he didn't only mate with, superhumans that's the only thing i can say because from what we know laon is human she identifies as human people see her as human go so go lay down oh come here um so again the fact that she reads as human he is also human he's just been genetically modified like that in theory genetic mod wouldn't pass down would it if you well, have we to don't, be, we don't know. Right. We don't, and we that it's a possibility. That's why genetic modification is probably banned or whatever. It's like so he just like he he you know he was a good looking guy. He was a dictator. I'm sure he was not great to slaves. I'm sure he was also not great to wives if he had any. And he's probably got a bunch of kids and grandkids running around secretly. But, uh, what? Never mind. It sounds like we really need to relitigate Khan and his whole deal and like why it's such a big deal. There's Next that, week. <laughs> there's never going to be a, uh, the, it sounds like there's a whole lot of lore we need to like unpack, keep looking at and, and relitigating. We need to do a whole, whole courtroom drama just about the original series because that's got some problems apparently. That's got some problems. Like, have too many questions. Okay, I'm I'm exiting the lore loft. Okay, that's just way too much lore, and uh, I've not discovered much else. So Shannon, that's it. I think about our uh, uh, thoughts on on this episode. I think overall we have questions, things that this has brought up, but we were overall uh, hype on this episode. We, mm-hmm. we really enjoyed it. I, I I love the. At the end of the day, it's about family, and you know. What can we say that that's, that's what we're here for. Like I, 
I, part of me could care less that we kind of like wrap it all up and, and we're just going to continue doing it because that's what we should have been doing in the first place. Like right. who cares? We don't need this courtroom thing, whatever it's like, it's, we don't care about it. If you're going to bring it up though, like you should bring up the nuances, <laughs> what I'm saying is, yeah. uh, but, uh, but here we are. So we've, uh, litigated it. Uh, I wonder if anyone else has thought about it or do, maybe they have answers to questions that we uh, don't have, you know, if you've managed to j- jump in with us and, and listen to this entire episode and you have answers or ways uh, uh, to add to the discussion, you can always email us at codependentcontent at gmail.com. You can comment on YouTube. You can uh, join us on Discord where we record this live every week and engage with us and we can hash it all out again and again and again <laughs> and things like that. Uh, overall, I I am excited to see the crew is finally back to normal and mm-hmm. we're just going to get back on adventures. The enterprise is no longer in the docks. Hopefully we're just going to go off and start doing things and we'll start getting like our strange, at least classic strange new worlds episodes, mm-hmm. which is what I loved about it. Um, and even though I do kind of want this nuance to come up, like this is, this is the show that I wanted to be part of. And, right. and that's what they're, they're getting us back to the status quo as it were. Um, and Hopefully, uh, it'll all start to pay off in in future episodes and 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 make me happy in that sense. Yeah. Any thoughts there? Do you, do you have any? I I desires? am I am all thoughted out. <laughs> I my honestly my only desire is that it just continues to be true to what it is. I don't want it to start like. I had this issue with Discovery. It just felt like Discovery didn't fit in the Star Trek universe for me. And I don't know why, but Strange New Worlds fits so snugly. It's like they care about canon and lore. And when I look for things, they fit like perfectly in the timeline that I think they should fit. And I love that attention to detail. But also, if you want to just enjoy it as a fucking jaunt through space episodically, you can do that and not know any information and still like enjoy it. I I do think that the Enterprise needs to stop being at the center of absolutely everything for me to start believing that this shit like like what because i i do i do i I get it i think the extended belief has to be like when we run into other captains and other ships those captains have the same like main character energy and stories as our captains do. So I think the idea is just, this just happens to be the main character that we're following. It's not the only ship that has this sort of, uh, like connectivity, but yes, it also kind of does. It becomes like you want to serve on the enterprise because the enterprise model is the best ship. I just mean to say like Starfleet is, is like huge, Mm -hmm. you know, but they seem to have no idea what's going on unless the enterprise is involved. You know, that's the Not that's wrong. the problem. Not wrong. Me, you're right. You know? You're right. You're right. Um, Battlestar Galactica, one of my favorite shows mm-hmm. and everything, is like the reason why that's such a huge ship is because it's the only one that exists anymore. When another Battlestar shows up, like it be, it's it's an interesting dynamic, you know. Yeah. But you don't get the entire fleet of Battlestars anymore, right? That right. exist out there. It's like whenever it's just one ship, like this was just an old ship that no one cared about. And then it became like the savior of humanity. That's when it makes yeah, sense. Right. The enterprise is just one ship guys. <laughs> like Take it, it back. needs to <laughs> tone it down. Take it back. <laughs> uh, um, uh, you know, maybe I will enjoy lower decks. I don't know. Uh, so oh, yeah, yeah. here we are. Um, 
I guess that's the end of this episode. Probably gone on way too long. I thank everyone who's joined us this far and who's uh, hopefully enjoyed this conversation and the thought processes going into this. And even if we weren't as nuanced as as probably could have been, hopefully it it got your minds turning and things like that. And I'm sure there's more that we missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, please let us know. In the meantime, Shannon, um, I'm assuming you're still willing to join me uh, uh, for a night in the stars with difficulty. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, now that I've made her cry, we'll see you all later. Bye.